internet. So you're tuned into the Combat Jack Show. The CombatJackShow.com. Yo, what's up, Premium? What's going Pete? on, Combat? Man, life is is just going fast, man. This is an incredible summer. By the time this episode comes out, it's going to be two, two weeks in advance. That's correct. But I want to thank everybody that came out to the birthday celebration last night. I'm still hungover. How about you, man? Man, drinks were flowing. Cigars were, flowing. were blowing Did you in drink? The yeah, yeah. I had a couple of drinks. Yeah. Not just wine and beer. No, I, I, I had one uh, real drink. You know, yeah, a little it, blueberry, uh, uh, Red Bull, and some vodka. It was nice, man. It was nice. Cigars were there. People were there. You know, it, it it was nice to really just have people come out and support what we do, you know? Definitely. And also celebrate your, 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 you know, your born day. Thank you. Thanks so much. Now, Internets, I, I'm so excited to have our current um, guest on this episode. Um, I started following her on Twitter, and, you know, I am uh, a fanboy when it comes to smart people on Twitter, particularly people that can make me laugh and talk about the movement and be fierce and go and chop niggas heads off at the same time. So I've been following this person for a while and, you know, I, I just felt that it was at, you know, what are we waiting for? Let's have her on the Combat Jack show. And I know a lot of people are going to say a lot of things because she brings that heat. So without further ado, I welcome, she's a mental health social worker, sex positive feminist writer, public speaker, community activist, blogger and author welcome to the combat jack show miss feminista jones thank you thank you thank you i'm so happy to be here are you i am why so because you're sexy oh thank you both of you thank Thank you you. i get my little like thank you swirl here well we about to start flirting (laughs) up on this episode um because i've heard really great things about you all and um i'm just I, i love talking about whatever so let's let's get into it what are we going to talk about today well i want to thank i congratulate you first and foremost on this book thank you push the button that's been making a lot of noise and stuff yes yes um i am i'm so happy (laughs) that people are buying my book i i i started this book um it was a blog series Mm -hmm. a few years ago for those who know about 50 shades of gray it's a really horribly written tale that has nothing to do with bdsm but people made it about that and i said no as someone who lives this lifestyle, this isn't what it's about. Right. So let me just write something on my blog, a little short story, and maybe give my side of things. And so I wrote Push the Button, which was just a, the first chapter of the book, wrote it as a short story, and I was done. And then everybody was like, well, wait a minute, what happens next? And I was like, what do you mean what happens next? This is it. This is Be it. happy with what you got. <laughs> <laughs> they pushed the button. That was it. Like, um, But people were encouraging me. And um, so I just I started writing a chapter and would release it every holiday and the anticipation holiday was yeah i would wait for each holiday every major holiday you would get a new chapter like easter like it would be like easter fourth of july valentine's day, day. Yeah. yes yes and people and if the holiday came and they didn't get a chapter they were like rosh hashanah no not rosh hashanah okay no. good friday sinners in this room there are so many sinners <laughs> right here are you trying I, to get me struck down I, I, but no actually i did release it on easter <laughs> really? I, I bought a copy yes. um today and I, so I read excited. through most of it yes. and i was almost tempted to rub one out oh i i I kind of wish you had. I, oh. You know, I just had to stay focused. So that we could talk so about So much it. work to do. Yo, what are you talking, when you say rub one out? You, you know exactly oh, what I mean, dude. stroke himself to the point of ejaculation. I'm, get, I'm getting this book tonight. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've got a copy for you, too. I've you got, got two copies. No, wait. Let him, let him get, give him the, let, no, keep him, oh. you don't want the pages to get sticky. No, it's okay. It's great for Pete. you and your lady. Thank you so much. So, yeah. So, so it started like that. And then people were just like, yo, you need to make this a book. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll do a little ebook, whatever. 
Um, but then people were like, no, we need a hard copy. Right. And then it just kind of spiraled. And next thing you know, I released it in October. By April, I'd sold 5,000 copies independently. Wow. Self-published. Self-published, independent, everything through me. So the profits, nice. all to me. Nice. Bill, <laughs> um, bills, bills paid for. Like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's been great. Um, I've got some exciting things coming up with it. I've got a sequel coming out. So... And it's been reviewed all across everywhere, so it's great. Definitely so, want to. Definitely, so I had to sh- I've shipped it to South Africa, really, and China, and Japan, and Australia. So it's being translated. It. Oh no, not translated. They're right. reading it in English. They're reading it in English. Yes, that's amazing. I definitely want to get more into My the book. My smut is in Japan. Yeah, but it's it's really tasteful. Thank you. It's it's really tasteful. Internet. And if if you haven't yet, uh, just go to feministajones.com. Yeah, feministajones.com. Right there, you show you six, all six ninety nine. Yeah, if you want the digital copy, yeah. it's six ninety nine. If you want the hard copy, it's twelve ninety nine. Now you've done a great job for someone that's so public mm-hmm. in the digital world of keeping your 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 personal life. I've tried offline. I've like tried. I I tried to find yeah anything about your yeah. upcoming your, your upbringing i couldn't Nothing. find anything yeah i know you're from new york city you're, i am from new york city i was born in queens queens so you're a queens girl i am a queens girl i spent a good part of my life um in lefrak city okay mm. um akinelli right yeah okay <laughs> see um, what what noriega too all listen was queens, that, what? queens was doing it yes. um i was also in um in astoria for a little bit um south Ozone park we moved my mom and i moved around a lot okay and then we went to the bronx when i was 11 Okay, and so I've I claimed the Bronx. Um, I became who I am in the Bronx. In the Bronx. In the Bronx. I came into hip hop in Queens though, because I was Salt and Pepper and Kid and Play and right. Trap Call Quest and right. De La and all of them. Of course, that's how I came into hip hop. But then when I came to the Bronx, that's who I became who I am. Now, tell us about your household. Like, what was your yeah. environment? Oh like? gosh. Um, <laughs> and, and let me say it because you talked yeah. about you. I've heard you speak about how activism yeah. has been a part yeah. of all of your life. Absolutely. Um, my mom was a, a big activist in the 80s. She was an LGBTQ AIDS activist okay. when AIDS came on the scene. She was very, very vocal. When well, that was very It was new. huge. It was, it was very new, it was but new. it was huge. Right. And so my mom was like a panther, right, when she was in her teens. And of course she was. She, of course she was a damn panther. She was also a feminist woman. Um, so she raised me quite liberally and really from an early age was like, you need to help people. We would pass people on the street. She helps. I would see her give them money, give them food. My mother would give people literally the clothes off of her back. And I'm not even exaggerating. Right. And that's what I was exposed to as a young kid. And so she really instilled in me, like, when you grow up, you owe the world. Like the, the and, she, and she would say to me, how, how does it go? She says, um, the debt you pay for your life. Service is the debt you pay for your life. So if we're all here and we've all been given this life, we have a debt to pay. And that right. is service to others. Right. So. From a very young age, um, my mom would take me to rallies and all that kind of stuff. I do that with my son now. Um, and then when I got into college is when I really started, like, the affirmative action was huge when I was in undergrad. Like, mm-hmm. that whole Michigan Baki thing. And um, Mumia, I went to school and I went to undergrad in Philadelphia. So free Mumia was a very huge thing. Right. And that's when I really started getting, and that's when I started writing a lot of the activist stuff. Now, you were also an Africana. Yes. And one of my major. degrees is in Africana studies. Yeah. Did that? further open oh my god it was let me tell you (laughs) let me tell you when you get to study these like brilliant minds who just challenge you to think beyond things and to even question them it really gets you into this mode where you're constantly challenging everything that you hear you're researching and you're educating yourself and so that was really that really helped me kind of expand and then i mean i i was doing um i doubled in um africana studies but also sociology of deviance and law Mm -hmm. i was very interested in how marginalized people were treated and how legislation of discrimination was so it's like 
basically I would study the history of how people in the margins got marginalized through the law. And so we blend that with black people. And so I've spent most of my time learning how we got to where we are so I could try to fix it and help liberate. And that's what my life has been. Side question. Yes. You, you, you just broke your fast. Yes. Tonight. So, yes. You, so you, you're, 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 you're celebrating Ramadan? I, you're honoring. I, I, I um, do honor the uh, month of Ramadan. Um, I, my boyfriend is a Muslim okay. man. Um, and for me, it's an act of solidarity. Um, but it's also one of those things where, you know, you, a lot of non-Christians observe Lent, right? And nobody right. ever questions them for that. Like, like, I'm giving up chocolate and sex for Lent. You know what I'm I like, give up for Lent? What? Lent. You give up Lent. I, I give up Lent for I Lent. support that. But it's weird. Like, nobody yeah. ever really questions that, right? But then when you say, well, yes, I'm participating in Ramadan. Like, what? What? You're terroristic activities. Not gonna eat? I'm like a third of the population, almost a third of the, a quarter of the population, world's population is fasting right, right. now. Like, shut up. So, it's, yeah. So, I, um, I'm not perfect. I'm not, you know, I'm not anybody's, like, super guide to Ramadan. Right. But I make the effort and it connects me with the work that I do as a social worker. Do you do you cheat sometimes? Um, do do I don't fast on the weekends. Okay. Yeah. Primarily because I have my son with me right. most of the, all and the weekends. Hard, and it's right? really tough. Yeah. Just yeah. business days. You just fast during the business yeah. days. I'll tell yeah. you what I really think is amazing about Ramadan is not only for what it stands for, but also to me is that people take the challenge to, you know, yeah. like people can't get off their phone for 10 minutes. Yeah. So to be able to do something yeah. that is bigger than them yeah. is, is such And that's a really what it is. And it's 16 gym. hours right now. Like we're doing 16 hours. 16 hours. 16 Does hours. it change? Like every, it's 12 days earlier every right. year. Okay. So we're, you know, we started right in the middle of June, which right. is the longest mm-hmm. days yeah. of so, the year. Wait, so Ramadan, it, it can be seasonal? It's seasonal, yeah. It's, really? It starts every year. It starts 12 days earlier. Right. Yeah. They follow the moons. Like so, how many years have you been? Three, three years. This is my third year. And which, which has been the hardest this so far? One. This one. Yeah. And you're halfway through. Because it's sixteen hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I like to eat, yeah. as you can see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Well, power through, sister. You thank def- you're definitely going to make this. Thank you. You know, um, how did you come up with the name Feminista Jones? Um, I think black exploitation, the genre, is one of the best ever. And one of my favorite characters is Cleopatra Jones. Okay. I love black exploitation movies because there's... What's your such, favorite? Oh, God. Um, Blackula. So listen, Blackula's you got good. this black-ass vampire who was enslaved and he be turned Mama into a Waldi. vampire. And yeah, and then he was just like, and and I'm going to stick it to the man. Like, literally, mm. I'm going to stick it. And it was just, oh, my God. This whole idea of like black people sticking it to the the establishment and fighting white supremacy through these subversive ways. And in, in high, it was so hyper parabolic it's like you look at someone like a tamara tamara dobson who would play cleopatra jones or or pam greer which i wrote an amazing piece about how she's a total agent of feminism Mm -hmm. and you look at how they would dress bikinis whatever the hell they wanted to wear and their message was i love my man i love my community i love fucking my man i'm going to save my community and i'm going to fuck up the man in the process Mm -hmm. and i'm still going to be cute while i do it that's all me yeah Mm. (laughs) so um and i wanted to represent feminism in my way because i felt that it's it was important to give a different face to feminism right people have these ideas about what they think feminism well the general idea before i started getting enlightened Mm -hmm. particularly through you know your your and other people's presence on social Mm -hmm. media is that you know, feminists are just miserable. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that was. Yeah. Would you, yeah, yeah, was no, like, I agree. Why y'all so mad? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like almost intimidating, and no, it, it got to a point where a couple of years ago, when I really saw and I, and I spoke about this several times, particularly lastly with um, Jamila Lemieux, yeah. who was on the show, just talk about how 
painful the schism was mm-hmm. between some black men yeah. and, 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 and black feminists. And yeah. I was like, yeah, why are black men being so hateful? Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's that black men are being hateful. I think well, that it's a projection I've seen of some what hateful they, shit. Well, no, yes, but I think that that's just a kind of a con. They're just a conduit of something major that's just kind of flowing through them in a way that they don't particularly understand right. what's even coming through them. They are raised. We're, so I have a sociology degree. We're all socially conditioned to, yes. to all, everything that we do. We have no independent thoughts. Mm-hmm. Everything we think, everything we like, every preference we have has been socialized. Yes. And so I think that this particular group of brothers who have been so marginalized and so disenfranchised that they are grabbing at whatever little thing they can to feel a sense of power. Mm. And they don't necessarily recognize that they're latching on to what's a tool of hatred that's kind of been used on all of us to get that little bit of power. And so what we try to do is try to show how that works. Some people get it, some people don't. Um, But I just keep speaking my truth and I just keep speaking what I know our experiences are. And there are so many brothers who have come around. Listen, in my years of all of this tweeting and writing and all the articles, I've had some every, there's a day that doesn't go by where a brother's like, yo, I got it. Thank you. I got, I got it. it. Yeah. I get it now. Yeah. I realized what I was doing was problematic. I didn't know that this bothered sisters. They never told me. And of course we don't tell you because we're just kind of like, you just accept it. Right. right. But once you say it and they're like, I never knew that by me saying this, I was hurting a woman. Right. 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 And they changed. Now, now, as when you were you, you got your name yeah. when you were blogging, yes, and you you were writing as a sex, yes, a sex po- positive feminist. What, what is sex positive? What does sex that mean? Sex positive means that you believe um, that sex is nothing to be ashamed of, and that everybody has the right to enjoy it and talk about it yes. and experience it however they want. Right, right. Um, as long as it's safe and it's it's rational and it's consensual, consensual right. then it's really for people to explore. And the reason why I took that approach in my feminism is because when you think about the discrimination that women experience, it's usually related to their bodies and people wanting to control what they do with their bodies. So I felt that if I took the sex positive approach, I could say, let's help women liberate by owning their bodies and making their own decisions. And then other people would say, you know what? We can't even fuck with them right now. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. But and then the other side of that is that I love to fuck. Right. So I like that. We're going to use so that. We're going we're to quote yeah, that. We're going to. That's fine. Use that. We're going to use that. Simple. No. And, and I think that, and I know so many women that love to right. fuck, but they've been so scared to say it because they think Don't it's going to women love to fuck. Um, some. There's some asexual women right. who have, I mean, no, of, you know, right. but I mean, I think for the most part. Women are very sexual and active and want to do this, but because of the socialized stigma that if a woman says that, that she's treated a certain way and women want to get, be in good relationships. They want to get married and have children, but they fear being judged. So they don't say anything, right? They don't say that. Yes, they like it up the butt. Yes, they like it in the ear. Yes, Yes, they like just over their face. They they won't say those things because men will say that's, that's dirty. Well, that's that's sweat, horrible. Or they're a slut. They're a right. slut. Or a, whore. or a whore. Which those things don't really exist. No, no, but, but you know, it, it's like... That's oh. what they'll say. They they don't want a prude. They want a girl that can have amazing sex, but just with them. Yes. Right. And no one else. Selfish. And not having done it before. Like, where'd you learn all that from? Right? So you got to be the perfect porn star for me and me only. Mm. And I'm sorry, dudes. We lie about our numbers. We don't tell you the truth about how many you people we've had sex with. You don't put all the points on the board? With. We don't do that because we're going to be judged. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter. I am the age that I am. I'm 36 years old. Right. And I still have men judging me when I write a piece about sex. Right. Mm. Divorced, mama, fucked, whatever. Shit. Still. 
men can, talking about. Can you do about, me a favor? Yes. Can you say you like to fuck again? I love to fuck. Yes, internet. The way you said that, hold yes, on. I gotta go to the bathroom real quick. Okay. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Well, how many, how many men have you been with? A lot. Okay. See, I've been I like with women too. Wait, oh, we gotta pause this. Menages too? Yes. Nice. To start with. Yes, to start with. That's yeah. nice. Now, but now, now your fans going to be like, oh, yeah, I knew she was a hoe. No, no, yeah, feminism. no, no, listen. Because you know, it's so funny how feminism has gone. Feminism, they, they said, it, now it, somehow it's like those feminists hate men, so now feminism is an excuse to be a hoe. Right. No, your mama was a hoe. Your grandmama was a hoe. Your grandpappy was <laughs> so a hoe. That's why he like got a separate family. Was, right? So be fucking humble. Get this nut <laughs> and shut the fuck up and be happy with what the hell yes, you're Yes, Miss Jones. Like, but, how you mad that we giving sex? Right. Like, how you mad that women are actually saying, yes, I want to fuck? How does that become a bad thing? Yes. Sure, we got to hang out with you. And but, but, but listen, but think about that. Like, this idea that dudes want to chase the sex. Right. But when a woman says, yeah, I'm ready to have sex, they're like, ah, oh, you a bitch, you easy, uh, you a slut. Yeah. So what does it mean when you want to chase a woman and take the sex from her? What does you, that make you? I love your positioning of how the word slut yeah really does it, it, no, it doesn't the, exist the concept yeah that doesn't, doesn't exist. exist can we talk about that yeah no i mean what's the male version of a slut you have no answer player player you have no answer no what's up have, pimp? have the same connotation because a pimp makes money for what he does right there's a no nympho, word nymphomaniac no that's gonna be applied addict, that sex can, addict, those can be applied a pussy to lover. right that can be applied to women okay. too okay there's nothing that's the same kind of connotation for men and this idea is that they say a slut is a girl or woman who has had too much sex. But what is too much sex? What is the baseline? How many times a week are you supposed four, to have sex? Four times a week. Okay. And somebody will say that that's a standard. Right. Somebody will say one time is a standard. So if I have sex twice a week, for that person, I'm a slut. Mm-hmm. For you, I'd be a prude. Mm-hmm. For somebody else, what does that mean? So if we have no baseline for what's acceptable sex, then how do we determine somebody has too much? Right. And 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 basically, this is a tool that's been used historically to Absolutely. control to control women. women. Yeah, yeah, because women. Well, you got to remember, women were property and yes. always have been, and we've been bartered as though we have this property value. The virginity, so, the virginity was 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 a premium. It was how fathers made money right. off of daughters, and and I mean, my daughter's still, chase. You can get yeah, the you, you can know get this. Yeah, I'll get some acreage and a yeah, title, and you can absolutely. have that that that, that booty. And, and and it's not just even for white people like black folks were doing this in the mm. 60s, 70s, setting up marriages, arranging marriages for their daughters. It, it's always been that same thing. But once women can say this is my body and you can't do that, then who loses? The only, the only thing I never liked about with, um, you know, I have a daughter, she's going to be mm-hmm. 16, so I think more different mm-hmm. now than I did mm-hmm. years ago. Only thing I don't like is how I, you know, us guys would go around fuck five girls in one day. Yeah. Uh, uh, you? Girl. No, I'm five saying, girls. I mean, is there a video of this? No, 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 no. Pete, you, I'm you, using you, an example. We can make money for you. Oh, thank you, okay. thank you, Miss Jones. Anytime. By the way, I like the fuck too. Yeah, um, you look like it. Thank you, but okay. I'm just saying. Then all of a sudden, like you know, a guy wants to, you know, we could fuck five girls yeah. in one day, and then a girl fucks like two or three, you know, two, and then she's a slut. Or one, yeah. one. About, and even or if any one of those five guys that he had sex with actually goes and has sex with another guy in the same week, all of a sudden she did him wrong. I gotta expose her and put her nudes on Twitter. Yeah, that I never understood. You know what I well, mean? Well, because like, beca- again, so it's the ownership and the fragile fragility of yeah. the male ego. Well, it's also you know, it's also this whole. Even though you're having protected sex, it's still kind of like I put my seed in her. If she mixes it with somebody else, then it's not really mine. Like a hypocrite, though. Yeah, it's total bullshit. Yeah, we should all just be fucking and doing what we want to yeah. do safely and having a great time. So, so t- taking this concept further, yeah. I like the way you say that. 
this whole notion of slut shaming. Yeah, I don't is, even is call it, it slut shaming because you're you by saying slut yeah. shaming, you're saying you're, you're calling saying somebody, you're calling somebody a, slut. a slut. Yeah, right. so like if if you fat shame somebody, right. you're shaming them for being fat, right? Um, because they are fat. Because they're fat. Yes. Um, so if you're slut shaming, you're shaming them for being a slut. That means you accept that there's an idea that there's a slut, and I don't. So I think it's woman shaming. I think it's sex shaming. Um, men are not sex shamed in the ways that women are. So you know, fuck it. So what you're saying, I could see. Uh, it being very frightening yeah to a certain no it is mindset it is it is this idea that women have the right to have sex whenever well this know. this idea that women mm-hmm. are being encouraged to yeah. own yeah their sexuality yeah because yeah. it denies people having access to it right like it means that a woman can say no and that no is supposed to be respected mm. right. and unfortunately um young boys are not socialized to accept no from women no is a complete sentence and yet the response is well why not when men say no to each other, they very rarely follow up with why not. Right. It's weird, isn't it? Definitely. No means no. <laughs> um, no, it's supposed to mean no, but not when it comes from women. You've also spoken about how in the past, and not getting too mm-hmm. nostalgic, how women in hip hop yeah. controlled yeah. their sexuality. Do you think that women now don't necessarily in hip hop control their sexuality? Um. So I wrote a piece uh, called Where are the Women in Hip Hop yes. Today, right? And it's like, okay, so you have Nicki Minaj and, and you have um, the colonizing white woman, right? Um, Iggy. Yeah, whatever. Um, and then Well, you uh, had her. We chased we her. We had her and we, she's kind we, of gone. Black Twitter chased um, her. So what I found was really interesting because it was an interesting, <laughs> it was an ist- <laughs> it was an interesting um, existence. It was a paradox because you would have... Girl, w- girl groups and women groups like Salt and Pepper that would come out. It's my thing, and I'll shake it. You mm-hmm. know the way that I feel. But then you had Herbie was writing stuff for them, right, and producing. Mm-hmm. Or you had a little Kim who would come out and be like, "It's a Big Mama thing." But then Biggie was writing Foxy Brown. But then Jay Z was writing. Right. So you had these men who were giving them these feminist kind of sex positive feminist anthems, while these men would go on to record things that seemed to say the opposite. Right. But yet, as the women were performing it, they were empowering those who could see them. Latifah was different light was different mm-hmm. but it was it was very it's very nuanced the very nuanced that's where i came into feminism i came into fe- feminism through salt and pepper and green really? latifah yeah like early shoot, shoot. early early no before that okay no no we're going back to hot coon Tramp. no we're, we're going to everybody get up okay we're going to it's my Ooh, thing it's everybody get yeah, up that's one of the coldest songs that's a crazy one song, of the right? coldest yeah, yeah, yeah. hip-hop yeah, yeah, songs yeah, yeah, yeah. ever if you don't get up out your seat when mm-hmm. that song comes Some, on something's wrong i, I hear it clearly yeah no you hear it right now so i you know like i said i was queen's girl so i i came into my feminism in that way and started thinking that yeah it's okay for me to do these things i'm a girl so what i can do it and i was able to support it later with theory and with studying the theory and and putting into practice so i i I find that music and and hip-hop has been a a a great tool for discussing feminism particularly with younger women um people always ask me what do i think about Nicki minaj um i thought she was really great when she came out um before she got signed all this right. stuff like that and i think in some ways she wants to go back to that but i'm not sure society's ready to let her i feel like on some levels they feel like they own her mm. almost in a kind of hot and tot way right and like i'm i'm hoping that I, I i'm getting the sense that she's starting to click with that that they feel like they own me and i know you don't own me so i'm i think we're seeing a little of that tension happening with right. nikki right now but i think it got it kind of got to that point where people thought that they could own her and and no you're not gonna. She. I don't think she's gonna let that happen fully. Nah, so I'm she, rooting for her. I'm rooting for I, I, her. I love her as an artist. I'm rooting I, I just, for her. I just recently saw her uh, in Los Angeles yeah. for the BET Awards. No, I, I think that she's amazing. She's a beautiful um, woman. Um, I love Jean Grey. I think that yes. she's very talented. 
um, there's um, there's so many people that I'm listening to that I'm just like, why are, like Rhapsody, like why are these people not? Why are they so marginalized? On right, the, on because the they don't have these men kind of boosting right. them in the ways that we're so used to hip hop doing. Right. We're not used to women coming on the scene without some male yeah. backing like that, unless you had a Queen Latifah right. who everybody thought was gay. Now these conversations that you're having, yeah, um, that you know, I think we welcome, you know, yeah. these perspectives, but. People go crazy. Like yeah. you've had death threats, yeah. like real death threats, like serious death threats. Like why? Like what are you saying that that's 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 making people go to that like level? Anytime people want to be free, those who benefit from them not being free will try to suppress that. And so when I say that black women have the right to be free, mm-hmm. the entire world loses their mind. From black men to white men to white women to everybody who has ever been able to have a one up on black women. Because on the totem. Yeah. Y'all, y'all. Aren't well, my native folks have asked that we not use the totem okay. pole reference. I but apologize. Just, you know, no, I, native, I, native I had, folks, I've okay. had to do that. So I'm just trying to share and be sensitive to that. But when it comes to hierarchies, yes, when we talk about access of privilege and things like that, you know, black men will say, we have no privilege. <laughs> yeah, you're still dudes. You know, black men still, still make, you still, still earn more money yeah. than women, than as, black as women. As my wife says, you know, she, we have the privilege at least to walk down any street mm-hmm. at night and yeah. feel completely comfortable. Yeah, I ask the brothers that all the time. I say, you know, what are the things that you do to prepare to walk down the street? They're like, what you talking about? Yeah. I was like, yeah, see, there you go. And they don't recognize, but the thing is, they don't recognize that as a male privilege because racism has so emasculated black men mm-hmm. that they can't even identify that some of those things are connected to male privilege, which right. I understand, and that's fine. And they're like, well, because we privilege is invisible. It's, it, right. And they'll say, well, we don't have what white men have. No, no, none of us do. White right. women don't even have what white men right. do. But what you have to just understand is that I'm saying, let's be free. Yes. And if black men can understand every time they say, let's be free, and how white people respond, it's a similar thing. And most of the death threats I get are from, or rape threats are from black men. From black men. Unfortunately, they tell me my throat should be sliced, um, that they're going to find me, that I shouldn't show up at rallies because somebody's going to put a bullet in my head. You does know. that get to you? It does, um, especially because I've been taking my son to rallies, trying to teach him yeah. to be a strong black boy, right, 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 you know. Right, right. Um, so I stopped taking him, right? right? Um, and the other day I was actually speaking at one in Harlem and a man started banging a cowbell and he started yelling over me and I actually got concerned. Right. I was like, is this going to be the one is who's going to say the, get your hand out your pocket and put a bullet right. in is my this head a today. Distraction, right. So, but you still have to keep going. Right. You have to keep going because I want him to be free too. Right. I'm doing this for him as well because he's going to come around. So has the fear ever been paralyzing or has it ever gotten close um, to being paralyzing in terms of you doing the work? I have I have I live with an anxiety disorder, um, like kind of PTSD from some trauma that I've mm-hmm. had. So sometimes my anxiety is triggered by some of the emails I get. Um, men send me really horrible things in my emails and my Facebook and, you know, things like that. And so I actually have a stalker who. Yeah, whatever. I get emails every day. Right. Um, every day. Yeah, every day from him. Every single day. Have um, you gotten it? Have you gotten I've, it? I've been working on it. Okay. It's it's hard, right. but, you know, because um, I'm black. Right. I'm a black and a woman. Right. They don't care. Right. But I've had some days where I've just been like, okay, I have to walk out this door. I have to walk out this door. Can't walk out this door today. Let me take a day off. Right. You know, um, but mostly it's I, I have a job to do. I feel like I am here to help free my people, all of my people, 
I don't care what gender identity you have, what orientation, what class you are. I don't care. I'm here for everybody. And just like Malcolm and Martin and, you know, Ida and all of them, I mean, Frederick Douglass sold out Ida B. Wells. Like mm. it, it happens, right? There's always going to be that. But the liberation is the goal. And this is what we have to work through to get to that place. So if one of them wants to take me out, then so be it. I've reached enough people to plant the seeds. It'll keep going. You talk about uh, being a woman of strength. Yeah. And and owning that you're a woman of strength, mm-hmm. but not embracing being a strong yeah. woman. Can we talk about the yeah. subtle nuances and the differences of that? Yeah, so people label black women as strong yes. women because they need us to be strong in order to function as the mules of society that we've always been. People need us to perform labor for them, whether it's hard work or birthing children or taking care of other children, being mammies and being mammies, all of that people need, they rely on our, our labor. Um, and for a woman to say, I'm not strong, it disrupts that. And it makes people feel bad about heaping more on them. Right? So there's times when I'm not strong. There's times when I am crumbled on the ground and I am crippled and paralyzed and I, I can't do it today. Because you're a human being. Because I'm a human and being. You're a woman. And I, I'm just a human being. Right. And that's the bottom line. Every human being has the right to feel that way. Right. So I think that there are times where I have strong moments. I think there are times where I feel empowered by people around me and what I'm doing. Um, and that strengthens me. Um, but to call me a strong woman all the time it's doing a disservice and it's ignoring my vulnerability and your humanity and my humanity. And you yeah. also tie in this whole concept of, um, the strong black woman yeah. to like the history of yeah. gynecology yeah. in this, in, in the United States. Gynecology where, was, was founded on this idea of the strong black woman where this, these doctors really believed that black women could endure more physical pain. And they experimented experimenting on, on them. One anarcha slave was, um, well, the enslaved woman, was ex- was experimented on more than 30 times with no anesthesia none at all to try to fix a fistula which is still an issue to this day but yet in central park we've got a monument to um this founder <laughs> father of gynecology what mary and mary and that's Marian crazy Sim- he's got a big old statue wow mm-hmm. that's crazy um and another thing and I, this is something that i embrace yeah you recognize your weaknesses and insecure insecurities mm-hmm as opposed to pretending that they don't exist. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Well, see, that again, that's part of being human. Right. Um, I have insecurities. I used to be over 400 pounds. And I had 400 real, four, pounds? I used to be 400, over 400 pounds. And How? Because I, I was fat. Right. I told you I love to eat at the okay. beginning of the but was it, show. What, I said I like yeah. to eat. But was God it damn. emotional? Or? No, it was. It, okay. was, it was definitely um, a response to sexual trauma and trying to build a shell so that people would leave me the fuck alone. Right. I, I learned that in hindsight, but... If, you know, if you see a lot of young, when I see a lot of young girls of color and I see them like super obese and things like that, part of me wonders, you know, have they been abused in right. some way? But um, no, I, I did. I grew, I, I got really big and then I tried to lose weight for like 10 years and it didn't work. Um, so I ended up having weight loss surgery and I ended up kind of changing how I ate and everything like that. And so I lost like 180 pounds. Wow. And Congratulations. Um, and I've been maintaining it for about three years now. It's It's tough, right? Um, because you had these emotional moments. So what, you do, to, what do you like to eat? Um, my favorite food: fried chicken. Fried chicken. Mm, and I'm black. Fried chicken is macaroni and cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, I love food so much. <laughs> Oreos. But, no, I don't like Oreos. What? What about ice cream? I'm not a huge ice cream fan. Really? I do like gelato. Gelato. Okay. Gelato is fancy. Gelato. 
Um, I get it when it's on sale. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Trader Joe's? No, um, Fresh Direct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I love to cook. So that's another thing. Like, they're feminists getting, they always say get in the kitchen, right? Mm. Motherfucker, we stay in the kitchen. Stay in the kitchen. Well, I, I cook circles around you. Mm. But notice they tell us to go to the kitchen when all the top chefs are men. Mm-hmm. Right, the world's yep. top chefs are yep. men, but yet yep. they tell us to get in the kitchen, which is kind of crazy. I mean, we fuck, we cook, we raise children, we love, we have feelings, you teach, we earn money, you fight, we do all that bleed. kind of shit. Like, I mean, you know, shut the fuck up already. Really, yeah. that's really, you know, most days that's how I end my days. I really just want to tell all these motherfuckers to just shut up. Like, I'm a human. Like, you don't like the fact that women want to be equal? Like, is that really what your issue is? Like, when it comes down to it, like, I'm my little emoji, right, with the hands. <laughs> like, you don't want women to be equal? Right. Is that your problem? Like, who's going to co-sign for your car because you got fucked up credit? Yep. If we not equal, who's going to help you out, bro? Yep, yep, who's yep, getting yep. you them Jordans? Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Damn, I hope it was more than Jordans. Shit. Like, who's getting you that mortgage? Like, really? You know like, I'm, like, I tell people, I was like, did you, know, for your kids did you know that like, it wasn't until the late 70s that women could sign their own contracts by themselves? In the 70s. Could not have mortgages. We wouldn't be able to have cell phone contracts. We wouldn't be able to have anything. That's crazy. Because, but feminism changed that. That's crazy. And that's how y'all can ride these whips. What you got your girl yep, co-signing yep, for? And Jays. Yep. And them Jays. Can we ever see uh, a world and live in it of uh, being equal, man and woman? Can we? Can we? I don't know. I don't know. I think we've gone millennia in this way, right? Um, we can if we eradicate greed. I think greed is the root of all isms. Because isms are developed by othering people. And you have to other people to feel justified in treating them like shit. And so greed does that because you've got this resource and you want it and you've got to stop other people from getting it. And the only way you can do that is to convince yourself that those people don't deserve it. They're not worth mm-hmm. it. They're not worth it. So until we get rid of that greed, we're not going to get rid of the isms. And there's always going to be those who are oppressed who are going to find isms to oppress others so they can be closer to that resource. Right. So it's it's tough. Um, as the older I get, the more cynical I get. But right. But but. I come from people who never gave up hope. You know, it's it's amazing. It was refreshing. We had uh, DeRay on. Yes. DeRay McKesson a couple of weeks ago. And out of everyone that we've had these conversations with, um, his perspective was so refreshing Mm -hmm. because we were talking about the work and the struggle Mm -hmm. and, and all the effort that he puts in. And he was like, well, you know, I'll do something differently when we win. Yeah. And he was so. Yeah determined in his language and in his vision and in just the way he viewed the struggle that we will win he and i talk a lot um and one of the things i told him i said you know what's i think the difference between he and i you know he kind of reached that moment where he realized that wow this is the america that we lived in whereas i was raised to know that this is the america that my mother my mother told me from day one He's cracking, you know. Um, But my mother taught me early on that this is what, and my dad too. I'm not. I keep. I'm I'm talking about my mom. I want to talk about you know. But they they taught me this is how the world is. is, Whereas I wasn't sheltered. I wasn't led to believe some kind of middle class dream or whatever. Whereas a lot, I'm noticing a lot of millennials, particularly, are having these wake up moments. Like I can't believe this is the country I'm in, and we sitting back like. Welcome to where we've been for the last 10 years. Get like, on some old burn it, burn it, burn it, yeah. you know? Like, burn this down. We're tired, you know? Um, so it's very interesting just kind of talking and connecting in that way. And then me just as a 
professional mental health professional just trying to offer some support because he deals with a lot and a lot of the younger folks are dealing with a lot like I set up this whole mental health network where I got professionals all around the country to donate time really to people that right right after Ferguson if you were experiencing any kind of trauma and things like that you could call them email them and then I just brought it back after Charleston and so I've got a network of about 40 providers who are donating free time and if you need it you can just sign up and and we're connecting people in that way all of a free service and you know that's we the need problem. that help I we think, need that help I think for the most part every United States citizen yeah needs some type of therapy with yeah. regard to the yeah. trauma Absolutely. of what race induces Absolutely. regardless if you're you know, the oppressor or the yeah. most definitely the oppressed. Yeah. No, the oppressors for sure. Definitely. Because, you know, I was it's just, their problem. Well, I was, well, no, I, mean, I was just saying yesterday, I'm a, I'm a Paolo Freire person. Right. I was just saying yesterday, I was like, you know, we, we tend to not think of the oppressors as being oppressed. Right. But imagine if somebody came to you and told you, you have to change your entire life tomorrow. No, I no. In order for that's somebody else to be free, that's you have to change everything you know about life. That's terrifying. Yeah. And people get so stuck in that being an oppressor because that's all they know. So we've got to liberate them too. We've got to get them out of being comfortable living this life that oppresses others. We use cell phones and technology right now when the the minerals used to build them are enslaving yes. young children yes. in African countries. Coltan. Yes. And we're still doing it, right? And like I always say to people, even abolitionists wore cotton. So they fought against slavery, but they wore cotton. They participated, yeah. You know, Definitely. so we have to kind of check and ourselves. And we pay taxes. And we pay, we pay taxes. And we, taxes, taxes do check, a lot of we've harm. We've got to check ourselves right. and stop taking that holier than thou, you know, oh my God, I love this. But you got new Jordans that some little kid's fingers were needed to do that. Like, right. you kind of have to think about that. And we all are guilty. We're yes. all part of it. Yes. So we're all oppressors in some way, even when we're oppressed. And I think that that's part of the issue within our community is that a lot of us can't recognize that we're also oppressors in right. some ways. Tell us about your father. My dad, <laughs> my dad is um, a former basketball player and a military man. Professional? Um, no, he played for Grambling, but okay. he, he went into the service instead. Um, and he was in the Air Force for 31 years. Nice. Um, he and my mom were like really good friends because my family's raised in the same block. He actually dated my aunt first. What? <laughs> my dad likes the lights. Double right. dip. It was funny though because my mom was young or whatever. So, but you know, they were actually really good friends. And one one night they got really high and they had sex with no condoms. And mm. here I am. Mm. Hello. Um, yeah, you know. Um, but my my like my mom passed away uh, several years ago, and my dad was there like her last weeks he was there like every other day at the hospice just sitting by her my, my dad's been remarried i love my stepmom right. to death um but i shouldn't say death oh my god <laughs> oh my god anyway um words are powerful no right? right but but he was there very close friends they just didn't need to be married the families right. kind of forced them again going back to that whole time thing and they fe- they forced them to be married my dad um had to come around on a lot of things my dad was very old-fashioned with things i um he read one of my social media profiles that had not come out to him as being, you know, a queer woman. And he was just kind of like, well, I don't want you introducing your son to that. And, you know, I, and, and he got really kind of nasty. I didn't talk to my dad for months mm. um, because he blamed my mom for me being this way. Right. Mm. I was like, my dead mom, you're blaming her for this. We didn't talk for months. Um, and then he came around and he apologized and we've been build, rebuilding our relationship um, but my dad is one of those people who you touch a hair on my head. That's it. So he must be very protective. He is extremely protective. And does he know all of the shit that you he go through? He does not know right. all of this stuff. Um, and, and I don't tell him because I just feel 
He'll kind of go to weird lengths right. to protect mm. me. Um, and you don't want that on your hands. I don't <laughs> want that on my hands. Yappa. <laughs> like, yappa. He'll pull out like, the yappa. Like, it'll, my dad has nothing to lose. Mm. Like, he, he's, I've lived my life, mm. <laughs> you know. Um, I don't even tell him half the stuff that happened in my marriage right. because that's my child's father. I don't want him to die. Right. I was going to ask you that because even growing up with, like, overprotective dad, mm-hmm. You know, even before your marriage, yeah. was it yeah. hard to talk to him about certain things? It wasn't that. My dad has always kind of taken that position of um, whatever makes you happy. As long as you're happy and you're safe, I'm good with it. But if somebody hurts you, we're going to have a problem. And um, and I know he he hemmed up my ex-husband. I know it in my soul he was, hemmed was, that man was up. Your, was your ex-husband abusive? I don't want to talk about that. Okay. Because he's still my son's father right. and he's an amazing dad. Right. So that's what really matters. But your father knew something my to do. My father just knew that to he did him me up. wrong. Right. Right. And, um, and, but we are in a place where I can, we can co parent and we have a respect for each other's humanity. You're um, good, you know. Yeah. You, you don't, you don't, you don't react to these emotional triggers. I don't. Powerful. In, in public. Not really. I like you're very well media trained, huh? No, I'm a social worker. Social worker. <laughs> <laughs> She's had some training. No, you know what? That's so powerful what you did right there. I'm a yeah. divorced father. Yeah. And I love sitting here listening to another yeah. mother yeah. not beat the yeah. the father down yeah. and really uplift him. You There's know, no I, need I, to. and a lot of times combat, I'm telling you, it's uh, you hear a lot of mothers and 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 mm-hmm. fathers say, "Ah, she's a bitch." Ah, he's a dick. No. You know, I would never you, say that. He's say, actually an amazing dad um i was going to pick up my son today after work but i told him i had to do this he was like okay i'll just get him in the morning you know he is very supportive of all of this that i do and in some ways like i had writer's block the entire time we were married and when we got divorced he's and i told him about the book he said finally you're free to write like he recognized that there was something holding me back and he is so supportive of everything that i am doing in terms of our son and raising our child i mean only he doesn't like me taking him to rallies though right that's the only thing because it's dangerous like the last one got kind of this the cops were out there really yeah, bad yeah. but outside of that very very i mean we co-parent like we psh, man it's we have a really great i'm fortunate divorce you know, is so high divorce yeah. is so high so it's important yeah. for people to co-parent like yeah. that you know no, right? it is like i mean we literally like try to do like three and a half days a week each nice. it's weird i want to ask you about one more thing yeah. and then let's go to a break yeah. um you know you've spearheaded so many <laughs> things in such a short period of time yeah. at least uh, to the digital world yeah. can we talk about national moment of silence and what that wow. what and the yeah. effect that it has had man the actions that have resulted so because of that so for when michael brown was executed right because mm-hmm. we know executed, he was, he was yes. executed in cold blood uh, in cold blood um by the ferguson police um, this Wood. was right after Eric Garner had been executed by New York police, which was right after, which is right. I mean, there was, there was so many things, which like, was, was right after it was just boom, 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 right. boom. Right. And, um, and there were women being, you know, abused and yes. killed too. Yes. Um, so it was a lot, there was a lot of tensions that were just, I could feel it. Like you could feel the tensions rising and I was just like, okay, this is going to explode. Um, and I remember what James Brown did after Martin Luther King died. Mm-hmm. He had that concert in Boston and yes. he was settling the people, keeping them from riot. He was using music to kind of settle people down. And I said, we need a moment of healing. We need a moment of settling because if not, we're all going, like this is going to go to the streets and we're going to be harmed because they will pull out their tanks and everything and they will destroy us. And so people were talking about, you know, they were like, oh, let's get together in New York City. And they were like Union Square on a Sunday evening. I'm like, Outer borough people can't really do that. I said, why don't we do something on a larger scale? Why don't we do something across the whole nation? 
And I said, can can I get people in different cities? Can I just get vol- a volunteer in every city to just say, I'll put together a vigil. I'll put together, a, you know, a function. And one by one, people, I'll take Philly. I'll do Chicago. I'll do here. I'll do here. And mm. I was like, okay, let me start this database. I'm going to, we're going to work this out. And within four days, uh, we were able, and I worked with um, some brothers from Freedom Side, Larry Stafford uh, Jr. has been a godsend. Um, and we, we, we worked together and, um, we organized over 119 vigils. And I always say 119 because that's when I stopped counting. Right. There were wow. many more that were organized right. after that. But I knew of 119 official ones. Uh, we made the Facebook pages. We got the Twitter account. We really kind of pushed it out there. And in four days, we mobilized hundreds of thousands of people around the world because there were some in Canada. They were in France. They were in the UK. They were in Pakistan. They were having these vigils. And we wanted to do it so that it would be all a moment of silence, not just because of Mike Brown and not just because of Eric Garner, but for everyone who had since, you know, had recently endured police brutality yeah. and had been which killed. Which is so rampant. Which is just, I mean, and especially since Obama's been elected. Yes, well, of course. I mean, it's of, spiked. Of, it's gone through well, there. They're that, paying us back yes, for electing of, of a black course. president. That's why I'm so, scared about these flags. No, this, this, listen, this flag it's coming gonna down. Get, it's going to get really ugly. Yeah, but it has to get ugly before we, it gets better. What we did was, and we were able to, and even though, you know, all these people tried to claim it and say whatever, blah, blah, blah. We still managed to have hundreds of thousands of people come around the world at the same time with the same moment of peace mm. to bring it together. And what ended up happening with that is that as people were meeting in these cities, like you had Chicago and they had like 2,000 people and all these things like that. And then you had these four white people on the side of the road in Nevada, right? Mm. But people who had never talked to each other before, they had the same like mind and they came together and a lot of those people still work together. Like organizations have been formed out of that Groups have been formed out of that. People people come to me and they're like, I found my passion. 19-year-olds that were leading these different vigils. And I, just to say, now I know what I want to do. So I think that it was more than just that moment. It was a moment that we needed. But what it does was it, it lit a fire in so many people. And what I keep telling folks is we have to stop deifying people and trying to single out these iconic leaders. Because what that does is it puts a target on their backs. Mm-hmm. I always joke around, but it's very serious. Leaders get shot. Yep. And once we put all of our stock in these iconic leaders and they get taken out or jailed or whatever, the rest of us lose morale. But if we spread it across, if everybody took some kind of a leadership or you know those who could more people took more leadership positions and roles they wouldn't know who to go after they don't know if they're going to go after this person in reno they don't know if they're going after the person in durham they don't know who to go after right now they're looking at deray they're looking at brie they're looking at netta and things like that i don't want targets on none of their backs but yet they have them Mm -hmm. imagine if we had a hundred people a hundred d-rays A hundred netters. They wouldn't know what to do. Oh, they'd be so sure. So that's what I'm trying, you know, with that and other things. We're and it'd trying be so to much push. more effective. Yes, because again, one person doing 20 hours of work versus 20 people doing one hour, you're going to get more done. Right. But I'm, I have a, also have a master's degree in organizational leadership and management. I was about to ask you yes. how you said <laughs> So one of my master's, I have two, but one of my master's degrees concentrated in organizational leadership and management. So visionary kind of stuff, organization planning, and th- that's one of my strengths. So I think that um, National Moment of Silence was a way that I could try to help people channel all of that energy that they had into an effective gesture mm-hmm. that caught international. It's written in over 100 publications around the world. Wrote about it. Congratulations. Like so many. Congratulations. It's, but it's not even about the congratulations but, but it thank you. But it's about American citizens. Everybody who asked me, what organization are you with? And I said, I'm not with an organization. I'm with the American people. And we are tired. We are tired of the police killing us. And we are going to make sure the world hears us and stops romanticizing America as this place where it's the land of the free and home of the brave and remind people 
that black people are still being treated this way. And I think that that's kind of set off a ripple for everything else that's been going on this past year and has really kind of empowered people to realize, yes, we can make a difference if we just come together. So I'm happy that it happened in the way that it did. Um, You know, there was some backlash and people trying to say whatever, but it wasn't about me. It was about everybody that stood up where they were and said, I'm going to host a vigil. Me and my four people. I mean, the pictures alone. Twitter used the picture from the St. Louis one as their background. People didn't even notice that. Wow. They used it as the background for a long time. It's amazing. Mike Brown's mom was there, right. that one. Um, you know, people just having a place to go, to cry, yeah. to share. So it was awesome. Let's go to a break. Yeah. Into that, you tune into the Combat Jack Show, the Combat Jack Show.com. Cha-cha. Be right back. Internet, we need your support. Head on over to iTunes and search for the Combat Jack Show. There's tons of episodes there for you to check and listen to on the road, in your room, wherever you're at. But we need you to subscribe. We need you to comment. We need you to rate. And we need you to tell a friend to tell a friend. Thank you, Intense. Don't be a fucky bird. Combat Jack Show. Internet, you're tuned into the Combat Jack Show, the combatjackshow.com. With us today, Miss Feminista Jones. Yeah, me it's been that fire. You're really relaxed. I am. And and got this real, like, subtle kind of energy <laughs> going on right now. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a pretty good person to be around. Like, people see me on Twitter and they read whatever. But those who know me, they know that I have an extreme sense of humor. I'm, like, one of the funniest people. Okay. I'm always cracking jokes. Um, I smoke a lot of weed too, so nice. very laid back. Nice. Did you smoke today? I did not smoke today's Ramadan. Right. You, you can't know, smoke on empty stomach because no, it gives you that breath. No, I'm too. fasting from okay. Ramadan. <laughs> really? so are you fasting, fasting from, from? Are you the... fasting from the weed? Yes. So you've been you haven't had weed in 14 mm, days. I haven't. Well, it's been a little bit longer than yeah, but I haven't had weed in 14 days. Really? Yeah, but it's cool though. Um, learning to live without it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, but Zach, we can we can also abuse our, our no, love for the for the ganja. You can you yes. can you can abuse anything actually. Yes, um, you can be excessive on anything. Um, so I I I also um, I get I'm a social worker, so I deal with a lot of trauma every day, and you got to find ways to kind of channel that, and then just being who I am as feminista and all, and and it's a whole lot. It's a lot. Fifty three thousand followers, like it's always shit. I thought right. it was fifty five last oh, time. I don't know. I don't keep track. You're popping. You're on fire. It's whatever. Yeah. You know, I appreciate all my followers. I appreciate the people who um, interact with me and don't act like I'm stupid. Right. I'm not stupid. Um. They'll say something. Did you know the Margaret Sanger? I was like, motherfucker. I have don't you hate stupid I followers? Hate stupid shit. Yeah. Just stupid people. My wife says I can do ugly. I can't do stupid. I can do ugly. Your wife is a smart woman. Oh, I would love a, to meet a, her one a, day. You, you, you will. She's she sounds like the one. Right oh, yeah, there. She, she's the one. Like the come up. Right yeah, there. she's definitely the come up. <laughs> I, I won. I won. <laughs> um, keep Harriet yeah. Tubman yes. and all women <laughs> off the twenty dollar bill. <laughs> I was talking about Harriet. I didn't give a shit about the okay. other women. <laughs> so keep, keep Harriet off the. Here we are, yeah. and we're considering. This yeah. is a momentous. A momentous opportunity in American history yeah. to put a black woman yeah. on our currency, yeah. the 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 twenty dollar bill, which is right. you know the, the, what moves capitalism right. in this country. The and same money that would have been used to buy her. Mm. Like so her. what is, what is your argument? Um, my argument, I don't I don't know why we have any people on the currency. Right. I mean, there's countries that don't have people on their currency. Right. When you put people on the currency, like birds and yeah, some, yeah. Some Ma- coconuts, landmarks, right. right? We have so many American landmarks that could be yeah. on there. Um, you you kind of um, deify them in ways that are just totally unnecessary. Right. Um, 
But, you know, of course, we were like, well, if we've got the men, then we should have the women. And I'm like, you guys can't seem to think of any other alternative, can you? You just, oh, we want a woman, we want a man. Let's put a black woman. And all these white feminist women there are just like, let's put a black woman on there. Let's put a formerly enslaved black woman. Let's go black, black. Let's go No, no, black to, or the black. Right. Let's go to the kind of woman we would have probably beaten because we were mad that our husbands were raping her. Mm. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I feel like Harriet probably turned in her grave a little bit, was like, a word? But then heard about my article and went back to sleep. She mm. was good. Because, no, we should not put Harriet Tubman on the um, the, the $20 bill. We don't need to have um, that kind of representation in the currency that continues to oppress us. Like, black women still make $0.64 cents to a white man's right. dollar. Right. We make less than black men. We make less than white women. I think the only people that make less than us are Latino women. Right? Why the fuck am you putting my, my face on there? You ain't going to give me the whole damn thing. Right. Like if you were to rip the amount the band, that we were going to give get, us the band-aid. Let's like if you the... were going to rip the the dollar, you'd rip half her face off. Right. <laughs> like you can't even give me the whole twenty. So, yeah, my my I just I just don't believe I just believe it's an insult to her legacy. I believe it's an insult to all of the, all of our people that were enslaved at that time for that particular currency. Right. And I think that we can find other ways to honor um, Harriet Tubman, who was a spy, who was Amazing. Uh, the only woman to lead a raid in the um, in the Union. There's, I mean, she was a veteran, right? right? Who never was never compensated. There's so many ways to honor Harriet Tubman than slapping her face on the money that would have purchased As a sign her. of capitalism. Yeah. Right. I don't, you know, you wrote yeah. something really poignant, and I mean, you, you, you write a lot of... Oh, well, thank you. ...poignant things. I appreciate and, that. Um, and it, it this one really changed my perspective because you hear about the concept, the the the, the sensitive issue of suicide, mm. and 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 when people kill themselves, you, the backlash tends to be that person is very selfish. Right. That person uh, not only hurt themselves but their loved ones, the people that 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 loved them, the people that they depend that depended on them. And you were like, no, su- suicide is not selfish. Suicide is not selfish. Yeah. Um, I believe, again, so I believe in autonomy. I believe in the right self-determination. Kuji Chakalia, right? Kuji Chakalia. Second, second principle of Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. You celebrate Kwanzaa? I do. Me too. Um, self-determination. Yes. Um, the right to define ourselves and live our lives the way we want. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think when you think about um, all of the trauma and things that people endure, um, what people wake up to every single morning, you don't know another person's life. And this is, I attempted you don't know, suicide. Yes, I, yes you, you know. did. Um, why did you attempt because I was done I could not see myself waking up another day living the life that I was living my mom had just died I had extreme postpartum depression after having my child which is serious yeah my my mom died six months after I had my child right my marriage was falling apart my husband you know at the time was just whatever there was and you were stagnant I was there was no reason I saw at that time for me to get up again and to continue to live. And was this the most depressed yeah. stuff you've ever been? Yeah, that was the rock bottom. Right. That was it for me. Um, but it wasn't my time, right? I guess it wasn't my time. Um, how'd, how'd you try to... I don't really talk okay. too much about it. Um, Because there's people that use that kind of stuff against me. Right. Um, even though I'm, I'm a mental health advocate. But just let's, let's just say that I had really kind of reached that place where I wasn't even in control of my emotions at that time. I did not... It was almost like I was watching myself kind of live this life day in and out. But I I, I believe that people, um, we can't know what other people are dealing with. We cannot. And And we can't judge. And we can't judge. And for us to say that people are supposed to live for us, that is the epitome of selfishness. Mm. 
because people are not here. They don't exist for us. And so when we have these grieving moments, we have these funerals and all these other things, that's that's really for us, right? To make us feel better about things. It's not about the person. The person's dead and gone. (laughs) But for this idea that you're selfish because you chose not to live for me, that that doesn't even make sense, right? Um, And I think that we we totally gloss over mental health. We totally gloss over depression. We totally gloss over the ways in which especially in our community, in our community, right? Because again, the strong thing nah, like niggas, we come niggas from don't need this, no we come from this stock of people who endured slavery. So we should never nah, give in nigga, to this. What? I don't Therapist? need no no doctors. I don't need the white man to right. tell me something. That ain't nothing but the white man's medicine and stuff. Yeah, but you drink every day. You self-medicate. You smoke weed to drown out those voices you hear. You drink to silence the things that's telling you that you don't want to get up in the morning. You fuck. You fuck. You abuse. You do all these kinds of things to cope with your life, but you won't go talk to somebody about it. You know, people don't like, a lot of people just don't like to sit down with somebody and really open up. You know, I I hear a lot of people, people on here, artists, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody has told us like, you know, they, they don't really believe in that. Mm-hmm. But it's so important to, to me, is always to find, not even a counselor, mm-hmm. find somebody Somewhere. to talk to. Because, you know, I mean, I know so many people, and I've personally been through my depression mm-hmm. time and, uh, you know, going through, you know, moments in my life. And, and, and without the people, yeah. you know, and talking about it, mm-hmm. I, I would have never made it out. How did you how did you make it out? And even, well, I was blogging. I was going to say, even if you don't feel like you have anybody to talk to, you can find ways to get it out, yeah. right? And to kind of release it and process it. And that's actually how I started blogging. Mm. In 2004 is when I started um, blogging and I was having, you know, these kinds of negative experiences and things like that. And I just started writing about them. Wasn't I just that an amazing time, by the way? A segue, yeah. like 2005, yeah, 2004, like the whole Everybody was really getting into that. Yes, blogs. It was blogging. And um, I had had some experiences, particularly in undergrad and dealing with social, sexual assault and stuff like that. And I just started writing about it. And I and that was my way to get out. If people read it, cool. If they commented, cool. But if they didn't, it didn't matter. I told my story. And right. there's power in telling your story. It's therapeutic. It's absolutely. And even if you know somebody made responses in a negative way, but it's like, okay, I got it out. So even if you can't talk to somebody, even if you're just writing it out, even if you're just typing it mm-hmm. and then you delete it, whatever, if you're getting it out, it's it can be helpful. So I think I think that mental health, and um, I'm a huge, obviously, a mental health um, advocate, particularly within communities of color, because um, we deny the presence of um, psychiatric disorders because we believe this narrative that we're supposed to be strong. You know, um, we talk a lot about mental health on this show. Great. Um, but we talk a lot about it. It's very easy to talk about it. Mm-hmm. How does one go about finding someone that they can trust mm-hmm. and talk to? And particularly in this, you know, this dire economic mm-hmm. period, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. do we afford? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, um, that's, that that's so tough. <laughs> necessity, not even luxury. Yeah, no, it's a necessity. but a lot of people see it's it's as so, luxury. So you've got a, a whole branch in my field of people who are constantly advocating for affordable and free mental health care. I mean, round the clock pushing for legislation that allows for that. And there is a lot of um, free and affordable mental health options out there. Um, I I like I said, one of the reasons why I set up this trauma response is because I know that people can't afford it. Right? Um, you want to connect with referral services and if you're at if you're at work first of all most jobs have an EAP an employee assistance program and what they do is they'll send you to someone 
did you talk to for about three sessions and they'll kind of assess and see what's going on and they can actually refer you out to get you some care based right. on what you indicate. And then if you have health insurance, a lot of people don't realize having health insurance, it you get a copay. Yes. You can still go right. and get you can, the same way you go to your doctor, you can go and see a mental health counselor. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's only $25 a visit. So if you can put aside money for your lattes and for cigarettes, your Jordans and your, and your cigarettes, cigarettes and things like that, you can put aside $25 a session for your copay, you know, to see a mental health counselor. Um, the other part of that is that there are a lot of um, community-based programs. If you look online and you look for community-based mental health programs, they provide, you know, a lot of free and affordable sliding scale kind of stuff. There's a lot of providers that do sliding scale. Right. They're just like, you know, whatever you can afford. And actually, that's what I plan on doing after I leave this. I'm going to um, go into private practice and just nice. sliding scale, whatever. I think I'm going to come see. I, 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 think, gonna, you should, I think you should. Um, I got some deep issues. You know, Deep-rooted issues. And the other part of it is, um, <laughs> the other part of it is that, you know, just letting people know that therapy and these kinds of treatments only work as much as you allow them to. Right. So if you keep the wall up, then you're not really going to get anywhere You're not doing the it. work. We, yeah. we had a therapy episode okay. um, many years ago, mm. and uh, I thought it was very, very uh, important for us. And, and we spoke on a lot of things, and you're right, because, you know, uh, I went to a counselor when I was young, and I kept the wall up yeah. for so many years. Yeah. Wasted my yeah. parents' co-pay yeah. only because uh, I just wanted to end. Yeah. I didn't start. Yeah. So yeah. No, just, totally. And I think that it's it's definitely a process. And then finding a the right person that you feel comfortable with. Um it, 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 it's it's a process, but once you get into that groove and you find somebody to support, you end up staying with that person for years. What, what are some of the signs? Like we we talk about, we don't signs need of what? signs of 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 really needing therapy. Um, are there signs? Are there telltale signs? Um, there's signs that people could be in psychiatric crisis, right? Um, and you're looking at drastic changes in sleep patterns, um, eating patterns, weight pro probably, um. Social engagement, um, somebody who was once a social butterfly, now you haven't heard from them in a long time. Mm. Um, or vice versa, somebody who's generally keeps to themselves, but now they're just like running all around the place. You know, <laughs> they're just everywhere, right? Um, look for drastic changes. Listen for um, certain things that sound like they're not, their hope is, is dwindling. Because sometimes you can listen to a person and they just, you just start hearing little negative things and you think, oh, they're just having a bad day. But then next week they're saying the same thing. Next month they're saying the same thing. And here you are six months later and you're realizing that this person that you love is probably really depressed right, right now right. because they've been saying the same thing. Um, be present, but don't be overbearing. Just say, hey, I'm here. I'm here. If you need me, I'm here. Um, and a lot of times that helps. And one of the things that happens to me on Twitter that I hate the most is when people give unsolicited advice. Oh, like, like today. That happened today. Yeah guy told me you know you tweeted you retweeted um the the pinned post that uh, the pinned tweet about depression yes and he says change to what you eat <laughs> yeah you better start eating that start eating, start eating that okay so you're telling Some a mental avocado. health you're telling a mental health professional msw who's been in this field for 15 years i just need to change the way i eat and i won't be depressed stop like, eating them chips the fuck up. <laughs> like <laughs> don't <laughs> give people unsolicited uh, health advice right. like say to people you know if if you need me i'm here Right. And I'll help you, I'll, in, put and your I'll hand help you in the best way that I right. can. That's it. That's all you need. If you and need an ear, I'm here. I'm here. That's yeah. it. Like so, I, when, when it comes like the suicide thing, it comes to all of that. Like I'm a huge, huge. I'm pushing for mental health issues because it all ties in. This movement, this liberation, is not just liberation according to the laws. It's liberation of mind, body, and spirit. 
if we are there's trapped, no separation we are we are like in this generational ptsd we are in, in general and it's already proving that trauma is transferred across generations depression all these like psychiatric issues can be transferred across generations we as a people are collectively suffering from trauma not just post-traumatic stress disorder but recurring trauma racism is trauma poverty yes, it is. can be trauma yes it is so this is a daily thing so we need to kind of be working and having those conversations about how we heal from that. And that's how we can strengthen our minds and bodies to fight for the, the larger liberation. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's all connected. Um, you have people who burn out so quickly and, and they give up. I recommend people do some research into the mental health state of a lot of our leaders mm. towards the end mm. and how frazzled they were. And how, how, yeah, yeah. How frazzled they were. How, how aged they look yeah. after, after leading. Absolutely. You okay, sis? I am today. Motherfuckers left me alone. You okay, sis? <laughs> Hashtag you okay, yes. sis. Now, this is something. That's that, the one that's getting me to death threats. Is this the one? <laughs> that's the one. I'm so angry yeah. that, 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 that some of us can't recognize yeah. the presence of street harassment. Yeah. Something so simple as if you don't want to be bothered, why are you bothering them? Because what we said about no. No. Yeah. Men are not good with no. They're not good with no. So this is what has people upset. Yeah. Like that I'm just, and some lies. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just telling her she looked good. Yeah. Because well, well, because we men, unfortunately, and women have been taught to believe that um, to validate a woman, you need to acknowledge her that you know how she looks. Right. So on some level, I can't really fault men because they're like, well, I was just telling her she's pretty. Isn't that what women want? Because that's what they've been told that women want. Right. And women are just kind of like, that's what we told we want. Yeah. But not from you. But not not even that. It's just we've been told that we want that, but it doesn't really feel mm. good. And this is the eleventh time it's happened this week. Mm. So Or the eleventh time it's happened this week. In the day. day. Right. So it's like as women, and I think that's why so many of us internalize it, because we were raised to believe that if a man compliments compliments, right? Compliments you or he acknowledges you, you must be a worthy woman. You must be somebody that they would want to pick. And the same is true for the guys. So when you're walking down the street and a guy yells out, damn, Ma, you look good. You're supposed to be happy with that. Right. Because you got noticed. Yeah. But then. Who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. It's just To not weird. accept that. Yeah. Like, who are you to not. Well, you must be, be a bitch. You must be a bitch. And if you don't accept it, because, like, they don't think that there's anything wrong with that. But they don't realize that Raheem last, last block told you you had a fat ass. And then Joe, the block before that, told you that your tits look good. And then the one before that followed you for a whole block and grabbed your arm. Mm. Come here, Ma. Come here, Ma. They, you, know, you know, what up, Ma? What up? What, you got a man? Oh, we can't be friends? Oh, well, why don't you take my number, though? Yeah. You know, why, why, he, out, why he let you be out here by yourself? Mm-hmm. Y'all don't realize that that's some stalker shit right there? How do we break that? Because it's well, so we, it's, prevalent. So here's what it is. It's we so have, fucking prevalent. Oh, shit. Yeah, she hit the mic right with that one. Sorry. That's a problem. Um, so in our conversations that we've had with with guys, right? So one of the, some of the things that we learned, we learned that a lot of guys were raised to do this. Mm-hmm. They were taught to do this by fathers, older brothers, friends, and things uncles, like that. Uncles. Yes. A uncles. lot of uncles. They were taught that this is how you treat women because mm-hmm. women like it. Mm-hmm. Then we were ta- Then they said that they were taught that if you didn't do that, they would assume you were gay and you'd be called all those kinds of slurs Which related to being gay. You right? definitely be. So you had to prove that right. you weren't. Show manly. So exactly. Sure. So the best way to show that would be to holla at a girl, right. even if you didn't want to. Right. Um, the other part was the, again, going back to marginalized people and men who are often ignored. 
wanting to be seen and heard. So you can say hi to a woman and she probably won't notice that. But if you call her a bitch, she's going to stop. Or if you yell at her, something. There's going to be some reaction. She's going to stop and she's going to at least for that moment see you and acknowledge you when the rest of the world has walked past you Mm. without even seeing you. And if you notice, a lot of the people that do it are folks that are hanging out in the street and they don't have anything else to do. Mm -hmm. On the corner. On the corner. But but one, one thing I do like about what you've done also is that You've made it a point that this is not exclusively done by people of Oh no, color, God and no. not by men. You've been harassed yeah, by no, women. I have. By women, oh my God. right? So I live in a predominantly white neighborhood. Right. Within five minutes out my door, every, almost every morning, right. some white dude is yeah. just like, like just just yesterday, he was like, uh, the guy was because I had a shirt on that said to do list nothing, and he was like, I like your shirt, and I was like, thank you, and he was like, and I like what's behind the shirt. Ah, but um, yeah, he couldn't. And I just looked at him, and he's like, so what's your name? And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> like, you said that? I, I said that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't fuck with these crackers. Right. In, in 2000, crackers. No, it's okay. But, <laughs> but in 2000, you've never been a caller cracker before? And, and this is the first time I've been called. <laughs> I'm sorry. Actually, you should call me five times I'm already. So cracker, but no, it's okay. So in sorry. 2015, I will say the, that guys in general are more, I would say more loose. Like, you know, talk to a woman. Hey, what's going on? You know, they don't answer back. Well, go fuck yourself, yeah. bitch. You go, you, I don't even yeah. want, you know, you, your yeah. pussy dies slow, like yeah. crazy well, shit. Well, it's because that there's, there, there may have been other people that heard him try to holler and saw the rejection. So he's got to, in that moment, gotta I not, still got to prove right, that right, I'm right, right, the right. one. Yeah. Right? So when we talk about street harassment though, these men, it's, it's, it's this total, like, they just don't realize that that's what happens. That's oppression. They think that's that oppression. they think that it's just oh well they just saying hey shorty what's up. They think that that's what we're complaining about the most. And it's like no you don't realize that these men are saying extremely vulgar things or grabbing us or taking our headphones out because we're trying to block or waving their hands in front of our faces or grabbing us from behind to get attention. Because they feel entitled to it. And so after you've dealt with that, and then you may come across the brother who's just like, oh, hey, you know, what's up? How you doing? You just like, you know, you're so tired, right? And so much of it happens in the morning before you even get to work. So your whole day is just kind of messed up. And by the time you get to that one guy who was really probably just, hey, you look real nice today. You're like, man, fuck it. Like, you know, you're just so tired. And so they're like, so they'll say, oh, oh, well, we can't talk to women no more then? Fine, I guess you don't want us to talk to women no more. Nah, nigga, don't talk to women. Like, like, don't talk to women. It's not even about, it's No, like, but I'm saying, yeah, don't, no, don't, saying, don't talk to if women. If you then, feel that way, then, then no, you don't need to be yeah, talking yeah, yeah. to women. And, well, and, and I'm pretty sure women aren't talking back right. to you either. So, but they're like, well, my, my dad met my mama on the street and, and blah, blah, blah. And that's how I'm here. I was like, well, when was the last time you saw your dad? You know, like, it's just like you saying that your dad met, hollered at your mama on the street. Right. But where's your dad now? Yeah. You know, like, I, it's just they think that they think that there's nothing wrong. And it's because they were taught that they have to validate women's existence by acknowledging that beauty. But they just weren't taught how to do it. They weren't taught to go say, hey, excuse me, I don't mean to bother you. My name is so and so. Can I talk to you? And then if she says, you know, no. They weren't. They're not ready right. for that. No. Oh, if this, you know, keep it moving. Keep it moving. So th- this this you okay sis, yeah. is 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 a collective yeah. movement to yeah. to come, support to, to provide support, support victims and and, you, of and because you, you because you do the social work, yeah. you know, if a guy sees and I like I, I know the answer already, but mm-hmm. if a guy sees a woman being a rat, yeah. 
and he gets involved. Yeah. I mean, nine out of ten, that's going to be confrontational. But yeah. you've come up with solutions yeah. as to how. Well, to because do- nine out of ten, he's going to try to be a savior. Right. Like, we're yo, don't, don't, don't to, right. We're not asking you to be savior. So, what are, what are some <laughs> smart ways to intervene? So, some smart ways. Um, like, one of the things that I, I, and I actually did this the other day and it turned into this whole weird thing, but whatever. Um, you want to use um, non-confrontational things and you want to focus on the per- on the victim, right? So if a person is being kind of street harassed, you can focus on that person, make eye contact with that person right. and say, um, do you have the time? My phone's dead. Um, can you tell me what time it is? Or, you know, I'm a guy. Do you know where the, I'm not from here? Do you know where the nearest Starbucks is? Or can you tell me where the Dwayne Reed so you, is? You just kind of, it's a distraction right. and it gives the person some other conversation and it gives them an out because the person may decide they want I'll show you. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. I mean, I've had people reporting back um, guys saying that they saw women being harassed in the gas station. We're like, come on, let's go. We got to get back to lunch or, you know, come on, let's go. You know, we got to get back to work. Just pretending being in the store and seeing a girl right. being followed and going up to her and saying, oh, you know, I found this thing you were looking for pretending to be a store person. Like people are actually using this right. in non-confrontational ways. And all even if you drop something, drop something in front of them, put your presence in there. In that split second, you are disrupting that dynamic and giving a person a way out. Now, the harasser may take offense to that and may feel like you block, especially if you're a dude, right? And a lot of men have men have asked me, you know, what about me? I'm going to seem like I'm blocking. Yeah, because that's some men shit. Y'all got to put away the swords and stop fighting, you know, but he may say that, but you keep on moving. Right. You're not even focused on that, on the person that's harassing right. you. Right, right. You keep doing what you're doing. Have you uh, combat ever howled at a girl or to us that, that's like not that? my style i mean I, that's never been my style in terms of yeah, you know i, I mean the, the, I, and and if if i've ever approached somebody mm-hmm. it's because they gave me an opening yeah like walking down the street when i was in great shape and like oh i like your You're arm and i'm gonna turn my head and be like yeah i, I like your yeah. arms too you know yeah. what i'm saying and it's a it's a natural dialogue yeah. but it's never been in my maybe so because my mom but raised what, me right, you know right. but what happened you know what happened along the way when so many were not taught how to approach people. Right. I think that's a big part of it too. It's not just about being disenfranchised or whatever. It's like, who was there to teach who them? Who you? Who taught them how to talk right. to these women that right. they may be interested in? Who told you that it was okay? Now we can look at hip hop music. We can look at media. We can look at all these different sources, but that's really what it is. It's like nobody taught them how to say, excuse me. How are you? That's what we need. We need more teachers. You know, my daughter, yeah. my daughter uh, was 15 this year, first uh, year of high school. First day, I drove her to school. I drop her off. She gets out. She starts walking, and I'm looking at her like almost with a tear in my eye. Like, okay, this girl's mm-hmm. starting mm-hmm. high school, look at walking away. And all of a sudden, here, yo, ma, yo, bring that ass over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put the car in reverse, mm-hmm. back up, right to the person. Like, yo, that's my daughter you're talking about. And second of all, that's not how you howl at a mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Or you were a lot more civil than I yeah, thought Yeah, no, you no, most definitely. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's not how you howl at a person. She's like, he's like, well, I'm just saying, I'm just complimenting mm-hmm. her. That's not a compliment. Yeah. I said, a compliment is being more nice about it. Try that the next time. And, and, yeah. I, and I bounced off of that. And so many of the guys, the good guys will say, well, that's not me. That's not how I am. I was like, but what are you doing to, to correct other people? Like, when you see this happening, you see a woman totally uncomfortable and you see a guy, like, yelling at her in this way. And you just kind of keep going like it's nothing. Or when you're out with your friends and you're all in a pack 
and your friends are doing it. See, but I've and had you remaining with silent. My, like you, I've got you're a different. Fr- I got a friend of mine yeah. who has been doing this since we were in college, yeah. and I'm like, nigga, that shit don't work. It's, and nigga, it's you're corny cool. like yeah. that. Ah, and it, I'm just like, yo, this shit is just. But you know what? Yeah. He hasn't changed. But we have to get to the point where we're going beyond saying you're corny right. to saying you're abusive. Right. Like point it out because a guy is fine being corny. But when you tell him that you are sexually harassing and you are being abusive, right, and that's, that's gonna be a that's whole different, a whole but that's a whole conversation. Be, that's a whole but that's why I challenge guys. I'm like because unfortunately, because of sexism, guys will listen to other guys before they listen to women, and we could talk about it till we're blue in the face. But it's not until a guy says it that it registers. So we need more guys who are the good guys to kind of check their friends and be like, nah, homie, that's not, not cool. Yeah. And if you were to talk to my sister this way, I'd probably kill you. Yeah, yeah most definitely. But yeah. I'm listening to you. We listening yeah. to you. I tell you, it's not only Thank man to man. Nah, I really. You know, especially as having a daughter, I'm learning yeah. every day. Yeah. And, you know, just really, you know. To, it's hard, right? Not, because is. street harassment on average, particularly for um, girls of color, starts at age 10. Yeah. Now, you started getting harassed at the yeah, age 11. of 11. Do you 11. remember that? Yeah. What was the impact that it had on you? What um, happened? It really was harmful. Like, it really kind of sent me on a spiral of wanting to hide. And I was talking to you about, you know, the, the weight yes. gain and stuff like that. A lot of that was related to... Um, kind of seeking comfort in food, but also kind of building a shell and hoping that I, they wouldn't see me mm. when really it just made me look older and attracted more attention, right? But, you know, yeah, this old man who I could have been his granddaughter was really kind of making these nasty comments as I was walking from school with a book bag on. And it, it I've been dealing with this for 25 years. It's crazy. 25 years. And, and I'm telling you, go on the hashtag. If you check the hashtag, all you see or women just every day just talking about all they've been through and how long they've been through. And so at some point, you got to say, it's not just about me being a good guy or it's like, why can't I talk to women? It's about let me listen and understand that. And be empathetic. And be empathetic that this has been traumatic. It's beyond the A shorty. It's decades and years of, of being micro of, of these microaggressions and mac like on some real shit like you know yeah. you got women who will use the hashtag they're like i am dodging a man right now i'm running this girl was like she's like i'm hiding behind a bush right now i'm turning my location on you guys in case anything happens like this is real life yeah this is real i do it sometimes i'll tweet it as i'm walking home because a guy is following me i'll take a picture i'll say this man is following me just in case we shouldn't have to live like no, that not at all you know, but a lot of guys, they not they don't realize that that's a common thing. I'm telling you, I don't think a lot of guys realize sometimes what they're doing. Yeah. And no, I'm they being, don't. I, they don't. No, I'm being honest yeah. because like, even like yeah, a lot yeah. of like, I see a lot of like route workers, like, yeah. uh, you know, that work or, or city workers. Yeah. I see them when I see a girl, it's like their fucking head almost yeah, like turns yeah. to the point where it's like, to. you know, like, you know, be a little more smoother about yeah. it. That's what, you know what I mean? It's almost as though they feel like it's expect again, it's a performance of masculinity. There's this expectation that if a woman walks by, you have to acknowledge her because if you don't, you're Something's gay. wrong with you. Right. Something's wrong with you. And not that gay is wrong. Of I mean, course. gay is great. Right. But in our society, you know, we still kind of make that as a marker of, of diminished manhood. So it's like you have to prove for everybody watching that you are a man. And it becomes at the expense of the women. And all we're trying to say is, can we walk down the street? Without you yelling at us? Can we have a peace of mind? Can mm-hmm. I just... Do you not see the sunglasses and the headphones and the fast walking and the head down? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Do you have to yell over that and oh, embarrass on the phone. Like, and, and not on the phone? And it's the worst when it's like, you're yelling at us and everybody goes to see it. Yeah. So now it's, it's so now, embarrassing. Now it's, now it's disrupting everything. Or it's, when you're trapped on a, a train with somebody and you, you can't, it, they're stuck there because you can't get off. Yeah. Right? And the person is just really loud and... Oh, it's just Man, weird. we got to evolve, yo. 
It's we, we but it's cool. I think I think we are. Okay. So I'm gonna say this. So you are hopeful. I think I mean you cases started in July of last year and some trolls helped it trend, thank you again. The committing I mean hundreds of like thousands of tweets they were using to troll the hashtag which got it trending, which got attention, which was great. Thank you very much. Um it's we just marked the one year anniversary. Somebody wrote an article about the the impact of the hashtag. So Argentine Argentinian government has been changing their legislation based on work that's been happening because of that. Um, an Uber driver got uh, suspended because somebody used the hashtag for that. Um, and something else happened with another woman. Um, she was able to get to safety. So there's been a lot of things that have happened because of the hashtag. Um, and I've been able to go and now I can talk with young people. I can to talk with the young girls and the young guys about street harassment and that that's kind hot. of stuff and really kind of empower them. Because I, I live and work in the Bronx. And when we talk mm. about boroughs that are suffering mm. and struggling, you know, it's like right in the center. So I'm teaching in Newark this summer, this summer, um, and working with with people on this. And it's amazing how people are coming together as a community. It's like we said, sometimes you just got to tweet it out. You don't need a response; mm-hmm. you just get it out. So we've got that sense. We're giving tips. We're offering support. And we're reporting, we're alerting each other. So now when we get the news headlines that say this, you know, this man is wanted for groping in this area, we put it on the hashtag to warn other people. So it's almost like a, it's almost like an Amber Alert, right? For, but for harassment right. and for potential right. rape threats. So we've created this community and, and it's be- growing. It's, it's, I mean, it's huge. It's, right. it's all across. I mean, I've traveled to several countries. They all know about it. Right. Um, and, and originally some people were lying and saying, oh, you're trying to put black men in jail. Never once have you ever heard me say, that I'm going to see black men, black men arrested right. for a holler. I've never said that. Right. In an article that was written um, by uh, Terrell Starr, he interviewed another woman for the article, and she was working on legislation about that. I'd never heard of her before this whole thing happened. They decided that I was working in, in cahoots with her, a woman mm. that I'd never heard of, right. and they decided that it was my mission to arrest black men. Mm. That's some real myopic shit. It's right really actually like I want to know what they were smoking because I want some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you right? don't. No, you don't. No, that's I that really dumb don't. shit. That's that dumb but shit. But it was just really interesting. I was like, so you read an article where somebody else was quoted for like one sentence, and that negated the entire article that was about black women and our experiences. The whole video we had, all of that was negated. That's because, a, that's the downside of Twitter because he interviewed one white woman. That's the downside of Twitter that was totally not connected to right. us. So because of that. I got so many death threats and so many things like that because of this one line. Mm-hmm. And I got into it with him too. Mm-hmm. I was like, are you serious? Like, why do you have the white woman in here? <laughs> this is not about her. Um, but they decided that I was somehow trying to arrest um, black men for hollering at women. And I was like, no, what I'm trying to get you to do is to challenge each other to treat black women better. That's what I was trying to get you to do. And if you don't like the idea of a black woman saying, I want my brothers to treat me better, then you don't need to be a part of none of this. Because right. you ain't really about that liberation. Right. You right. about that suppression. Right. And you about trying to have white supremacist power in blackface. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here for that shit. Mm. And I'm going to call it for what it is. So that led you. to a lot of tension. It was a lot of lies that were being told about me and my objectives, people that don't know me. But the bottom line is we're over a year later. We're still thriving. And the community has been built. We are yes. helping women in several countries um, become empowered and all across the United States. We're helping men become empowered and they are learning that some of the things that they were doing were harmful and they're changing their ways. These are men that are going to have children. Nice. Where, where do men go that, that, that really want to support this? Oh, gosh. Where do um, we go? Yeah. You know what? 
we on Twitter. We always having these conversations on Twitter, and and the men jump in all the time. Right. Shout out to you know I got to give a shout out to all the men that really participate in these conversations when it comes to sexism and women and stuff like that because they are really contributing and they're really they they come with facts, they come with articles, they come with all of they this. Come with gusto, and I and I retweet it to show that there's nothing wrong with defending women. We we have this thing in our culture right now where they talk about caping. Caping is so bad. Like oh, you just you just gonna cape for this. What's wrong with standing up for women? Wasn't that how it used to be? Like mm-hmm. the mark of honor would be how you would stand up for a woman. Now all of a sudden, it's, it's the worst thing that you could do is to actually defend a woman. That's crazy. Like how did that work? What's wrong with what's, what's wrong, wrong with standing that? up for something that's what's right? Right. What's wrong with standing up for something that's right? But now it's like if you do that, you're either gay, you're a simp, you're just trying to get laid or whatever. And I'm like, or maybe you just yeah. believe that women aren't worth are it. That's worth crazy. It. Man. Right. Maybe you actually like women. Slow down the how you still could get laid. Like you, know? you really, you know, it's wow, right? You know, so I, I just, I just find it really fascinating that people have a problem with um supporting women. <laughs> no, let's 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 talk about your book now. Push the button. Push the button. Push the button. There's a lot going on in that book, girl. Tell me about people it. getting wet. Yes. People getting wet. Talk about this life. What's the life? The life. When I say the life, I am referring to BDSM, which is an acronym for bondage, discipline, sadomasochism, um, dominance and submission is a whole bunch of stuff ooh, up in there. Oh, Miss Jones. Discipline and all that great stuff, right? What does that all mean? It's kinky. Okay. It's kinky shit. What's the difference between kinky and being vanilla? Right. So <laughs> so vanilla was this word they came up with. Sorry, cracker. Um <laughs> Sorry, gratuitous <laughs> cracker usage. Um, <laughs> Pete's such a great sport, right? I love it. I'm so sorry. Um, no, so this idea you just came up with this term like vanilla, right? So you're kind of plain, you kind of like things the the traditional ways. You know, you might do a little butt sex, but that's about it. Anal? Know? Might do a little anal. You know, um, might have a threesome. You know, you feel guilty about it the next day. But that's just the Who word. Who feels that guilty after a, a threesome? Lot of people, let me tell you, men are oh, worse at threesomes. Really? The way that the after effects. Let me tell you, I've been in this sex business for a long time. I, men struggle with threesomes the most. Oh, because this dude was bigger than me, or he? Well, no, it's not even that. Even when it's like two, it's like, I, why does she enjoy it that much? So again, this idea that women are not really supposed to enjoy sex. Right, 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 even right. relationship threesomes yeah. are tough. Like you know, yeah. I've been in a threesome before where you know uh, my girl that I was with, you know, we had another girl, and then yeah. she's like, "Oh, you're 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 sucking on her, t- on her titties too yeah. long. Yeah. Why aren't you t- you know touching me?" Yeah. You, you know, oh, you, that doesn't you know. sound like fun at all. No, no, it, no, get, it, it gets, gets no, it gets you know, really problematic. It, 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 it's, and then, yeah, and it's and it's tough. And then there, there's the attitude stuff or whatever. But whatever. Um, so with the life, with the life, right? So the life is really about. Um, tapping into those desires those fetishes those things that people say you're not supposed to like or you're not really supposed to get off on especially people of color especially people of color um because that's for white people white people do that sick shit that sick crazy you know deviant shit right but we're deviant too and um, <laughs> well, that's that's some white people that's some not white people. it's not no it's not all of it. it's not you yeah. no um in fact you know most white people are not into it um it's this. It's just really just kind of being free to explore the things that make you feel good without these social boundaries. So if you like the feeling of hot wax on your skin and that turns you on, you're going to get with a partner that likes to pour hot wax on other people's skin because it turns 
them on <laughs> and you guys are going to work together and you're both going to be so turned on by this that probably if you have sex afterwards it's going to be like fucking explosive right or you're somebody who likes to be choked right because you like to have your airways restricted or you like having a pillow put over your head because when you know that when you lose your breath it heightens your orgasm right so you find somebody who's really good at choking and putting things <laughs> over <laughs> you and won't kill you <laughs> um that's sick that's that's fucking sick yeah I is that sick though? it's sick it's sick i had a girl i was messing with <laughs> but is that sick no it's sick i'm gonna tell you why I, I had a girl i was messing with and she told me i want you to choke me that shit is hot and i says i says what do you mean choke you so we're, we're, we're having sex while she's saying this so she goes put your but pete that's no but listen sick. but she said but hit, hit me out she said put your hand around my neck and choke me so I put my hand and I, I says, okay, so I'm starting to choke. And she goes, no, choke me till I can't breathe. I said, you're fucking, she made my dick get soft. You know what I mean? Like, why so would you're I, not into that? I, I don't want to hurt her no, like that. No, but it's fine. But you're not into it. No, I'm, and that doesn't make it wrong. And that doesn't make anything wrong. No, it doesn't make I you wrong. I just don't like, yeah. I and just, it doesn't make you wrong. And I try to tell people all the time. Can you breathe yet? It's like, yeah. it's just because you're not into it doesn't make you wrong. I don't want to kill this fucking you know, girl. Exactly. I got to put her in the I'd back of the cat. I'd be choking her. No, it's it's totally fine. And it's really about like, you shouldn't feel like you have to do anything that you don't like. It's about what you like. But but. Isn't there something wrong about labeling that sick, though? Yeah, I mean, we then call, that's we, my bad. Then, but yeah, I just you don't want to call it sick just because. I mean, and, and I I am a kink friendly kind of um, counselor, so I I don't believe in calling it a sickness. Um, sometimes we joke around, we say that we're sick and we're deviants, whatever. But it's really just about um, you. You're just different. <laughs> just like some people like having sex with people that have sex, some people like this, some people like that, some people like you know, like I like to have. Sex in alleys versus beds. I mean, what? Why is it one wrong and one dry? Like it's it's. Let me, let me know, ask. Reading your book <laughs> against an alley wall and the reading bricks, your you book know, with the garbage I, in the background. I want to take. A, <laughs> I want to take a guess. Yes. Um, dominant or submissive? What I would you say think? you're dominant. Dominant. You think I? You guys yeah, are thinking dominant. You're yeah. dominant, right? That's so wrong. No, you're not. No. Oh. That book is semi-autobiographical. I know, but I thought. Yeah, no. So you saw the the character the the uh, she's a social worker. She's so that's you. She's tall. Oh, mm. Mm. how did you get into the life? Um, here, here's really interesting. Um, so part of why I got into this whole like kind of sex positive thing was as a healing method for me. Um, I I discovered and I wrote this piece for Ebony about um, like how black people have used sec- the re- reclamation of sexuality post slavery to get ownership of our bodies back, particularly as a black woman that comes from a lineage of women who were probably sexually assaulted and had no control over their sexual Not agency. That for me to say, I love sex, I enjoy it, is really an act of defiance. It's a de- very defiant statement. And so for me, having experienced sexual trauma, I could go one of two ways. I could go into this place of isolation and fear and trauma or I could work against that and really kind of reclaim myself and not be trapped by that person that harmed me and I chose to do that and so I started becoming proactive in my sexuality and started saying okay I want to try this I want to try that I want to try this I'm going to be safe I'm going to be with people I trust and then certain things just started clicking it was like okay well I like that I don't like that I don't want to do that doesn't turn me on but when I look at that I'm wet so let's try that. You know, it really became experimental and I didn't feel ashamed for trying things. And so I came into the life realizing that um, I enjoyed the the community. I enjoyed the guidelines. I enjoyed 
mm. all the kind of things that went with it. I, I enjoyed the order. There's a lot of order and structure. How does one find you know? out about the community? I'm asking for a oh, friend. Oh, you can totally go online. Really? Right. Yeah. And where, um, do, you, where do you look? So so right now, I mean... How does somebody join your club? My club? Yeah. I don't have a club. You don't I want to join the club, too, to be honest. <laughs> no, you don't like... You know why? You don't like the choke. Like, I have, I have, I have like, friends and stuff. We're all, like, we're in the life, whatever. Um, I, I, I tend to kind of... I'm a little more private with my yeah. kink just because my partner is a high-profile person. So, um... And I am too, and I just don't like everybody in my business. But you can go to what's called munches, and munches are pretty much like vanilla gatherings where people get to know each other. You can go on FetLife.com, which I'm not on anymore because I got tired of white men telling me they wanted me to sit on their faces. Um, <laughs> and they weren't offering money, right. so it's weird. Um, you can go on places like that, and they're totally like social media. You know, you build communities, and you get to know people, and you meet up. And sometimes they go to dungeons, sometimes they have parties, sometimes they do whatever. And you meet people and you find the kind of community and you build with like-minded people. We talk about it on Twitter. You can follow, there's a number of accounts you can follow on Twitter that, you know, we all, and we just talk about it. You can read books like mine. You can come to these kinds of book signings. That's dope, man. That's dope. You know? I got to commend you on this book. Thank um, you. There's, and I don't want to give away any That's spoilers, fine. but consistent with your, with, 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 with what you, what you're about, there's a point in the book where, you know, we tend to think that, you know, the lines are blurred with mm -hmm. regard to BDSM and what's consensual mm -hmm. and what's, you know, mm -hmm. no may not necessarily mean no. But there's a scene in your book where the character says no mm -hmm. and that no was violated. Yeah. And you're very you're very black and white about yeah. yes and no. And you've spoken. You yeah. speak about that in your work. Yeah. Um, I wrote a piece about um, the difference between um it's called kink only hurts when you want it to. And it's really talking about the difference between consensual BDSM and domestic violence. And again, this was important for me to be able to kind of work through that myself because getting involved in, in kind of these connections and dynamics where I couldn't tell the difference. And she the gets scary sometimes. For me. Huh? It's very scary, um, particularly when you're on the submissive side, right? Because right? there's this person telling you to do blah, 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 blah. But then you're like, that doesn't seem right. Mm. But they say I'm supposed to. Right. So... Maybe, you know, so I really wanted to make sure that in the book, I clearly wrote and outlined what is abuse. And so anybody who is reading it and maybe kind of walking along that line could say, wow, I've heard somebody say this or somebody has done this to me. This maybe isn't this. This isn't right. So that was my kind of way of, of sticking up for the lifestyle and saying this is not about abuse and things like that. Because you have a book like Fifty Shades, which is abuse. I mean, yeah. it's totally abuse. See, I haven't read it. No, no it's, have, and, have and no, don't read it because that's no plans on my biggest it. criticism is that it is a book that glamorizes abuse. Right. So I wanted to write something that showed that abuse is very different from BDSM. And from what I understand, you've been kind of like applauded and championed yes. for really... Yeah. Not exposing, but bringing to light. Yeah, bring and once again, light. this other side yeah. of black culture. Yes. People like we are not a monolithic yeah, people. We're not. We and, get and, kinky sometimes. And black folks really, we we everybody that's been writing about it. They list like if they list me with other books. The one thing they say about me, and finally, you know, is about people of color. And not saying that I'm the only person to write them because I'm not. But in this way of how it's written. You know, it's centering the black experience. So I've got a scene in there where they're going home for a family meal. We can all kind of relate mm -hmm, to going home mm -hmm, to mama's house for mm -hmm. a meal and the conversations that come up. And I wanted to show you could be sitting at the table with somebody who, you know, 
few minutes ago. <laughs> it was like, you know, it's getting choked out. And you don't even know it. Smashing uh, it from the back. But that was part of the point of the book was to show that we live normal. We live yeah. so-called normal lives. Yeah. Your boss could be, you know, this strict person who's driving you up the wall. But when they leave, they get walked on in heels. Mm. You know, like you never know. And their nuts stepped on. And their nuts stepped on. <laughs> Let me ask you something yes. respectfully. Yes. What is what are some of the kinkiest things you like? I am my my number one uh, thing is uh, erotic asphyxiation, which is the choking. Mm-hmm. Um, my I'm sorry. S- I'm sorry. But I, no, but I, fi- no, you don't have to like it. Yeah. I should. I want somebody choking me who knows what he's doing and likes okay, it. Okay, okay, I respect. You know what I mean? Um, I also like public displays of kinds mm-hmm. of like. You know the sex kind of. It's very like exhibitionism, obviously. Um, and I like degradation. I like mm. really doing stuff that's just kind of like you filthy slut whore nasty yeah. bitch. I'm yeah. gonna do. I this. love you. I love you, Miss Jones. <laughs> and I mean, it's not even like it's nasty stuff, but it's just the idea that you know society says you probably shouldn't be taking all this nut to your face. You know what? What? What do you think about <laughs> race play? I don't like it. You don't like race. I wrote a piece in Ebony. Go. I say race play ain't for everybody. Go right. Google it. Um, I interviewed Melina Williams, who is a big, big, big uh, race and play f- person. And, and tell tell our audience who might not know what race play is. Oh, race play is when you factor in racial dynamics into your kink. So you may have a person who is Jewish, may want to play out a scene of a Nazi interrogation, or you may have somebody who is black, may play out a scene where they're a slave to a white master kind of thing. Um, I'm not into race play. I'm not into age play where people play like they're little children. I don't do any of that either. It doesn't turn me on. It's for other people, but it doesn't turn me on. And I don't do the race play because fuck you. Fuck you. Mm. You are not going to call me no nigga while you taking a whip to me and I'm supposed to get off on this. Like, I can't be in that moment. Mm. It does not turn me on. It's too much trauma. It's not for me. Other people find it as a way of release, and they feel like it's healing for them. You call me nigga while you take this nut on your Like, jaw. that's what they want, that's right? That's crazy. But for me, no. Right. <laughs> my kink ain't your kink. Your right, kink right, ain't my yeah. kink. It's all good. But that's one that I just, I can't get into. I just. Sexy talk? How about sexy talk? If you're good at it. Like, yo, yo, I realize that I'm, I, I. Years ago, I couldn't handle it. I remember telling a girl, like, she was, like, and talking about, like, one of her bosses. And I was like, you want to fuck your boss? As we're fucking, you know? And then she's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and we're done. I'm like, well, what the fuck do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, you really want to fuck him? Next thing you know, I'm, like, dropping her off at work. You have to stay in the moment. <laughs> you are right. I keep telling you, you Pete, let it go, man. You are right. Let it go. You are right, Miss Jones. You got to just stay in the moment. I do, like... The the dirty talk. Um, I I do like the questions. Like, can you, you know, tell us one more time? I you love like, to fuck. What? Yes. I'm an Aries. Yes. Of course, I love to fuck. Yes. I mean, like you know, um, I have like traditions and stuff like that. I mean, like when you're in a dynamic, there may be rules. Like for example, like my boyfriend may say that he if I'm if any every morning that I'm with him, like I have to wake up and suck his dick and wake him up by sucking his dick. And that's just a rule, like, and that's, that's how embedded in your that's relationship. A, that's a thing. And there may be some days where I don't feel Give like doing. Give me some ideas. No, this would be so I many like breakups after this no, fucking God, episode. No. <laughs> but there, but there may there may be some days where I'm just like I'm just not there. Yeah. And he won't force it, right? But if I'm halfway there, <laughs> I need to, dick need to be in my mouth. It's good for the skin. It's good for the skin. You know, um, it it really is. Um, <laughs> so. You know, there's certain things that you do and it just becomes a part of your dynamic and right. it's fun and it's like, it connects you. You stay connected. It's this obligation you have to each other, right? To provide, he he provides and I do this. You know, we take care of, I iron his clothes. He 
pays for this and mm-hmm. he does this you know it's it's a really f- most relationships are like that and that's the other part of it is that these are very common dynamics you know, you, you are <laughs> you are you are you are doing the fight I am. for social justice mm-hmm. and that nut yeah, this yeah. is amazing. Yeah, she's a soldier. No, you got to liberate the nut. You got to liberate the. You got to liberate the nipple. Li- yes. Free the nipple and liberate Free the, the nut. What's right. next for you? Um, I'm gonna have a, a by by the time this comes on, I probably would have announced um something pretty big that's happening for me. Um, I do have a sequel coming out. Um, people were two. asking that. Yes, no, I have a sequel coming out. Um, I'm hoping for October fifteenth. Um, I am. Still speaking, <laughs> my calendar. I'm sorry, I just took a deep breath because my, my I haven't. I had to get an assistant, and she's filling up my calendar Is she good? now. I do a lot of. She's amazing, um, Alex. I love you. Um, she, you know, people want to book me to come speak at at different colleges and universities and things like that. So that's always really fun because I love connecting with young people, um, and and just talking to them about all this kind of stuff and how they could be better activists and be better people. Um, so I'm doing a lot of that. Um, Blog her conference is coming up. I'm an editor at Blog her. Um, and I'm doing some speaking there. They're actually honoring me for the National Moment of Silence um, impact. And um, just I, I do a lot of talking and panels and teaching. I'm, You're I'm good saying, at it. Thank you. I'm teaching some young girls. In it was New a York. black liquid sex. Black liquid mm. sex. That's what people have said that your voice sounds yes, like, right? Yes, yes. Mm. But as as I speak about black liquid people, sex. Why are you looking at me like that, Pete? I am mentoring young teen what, girls what, what, in what, Newark this P- summer. Pete, you got that creep? <laughs> why do you have a creep look on your face, man? I don't know. Because <laughs> Pete's down with the black liquid sex. Miss no. Jones yeah. is, uh, is, is, is not only a teacher. You know, mm. she's also a student. Yeah. And uh, no, it's... it's I, I I like you. I like I like everything. I like you too. I yeah. thank you very much. You gotta much. come back on. I love you guys. Can you, you come back great. on? I, I sure whenever you can. want to. Just like I want to come back on. No, I surely can. Um, probably when um maybe around the time the second book comes out. Let's do that. We'll talk about that. Yeah. I'm so happy that you guys had me on here. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And my my hope is that um that people listening, even if they don't know who I am, they oh, learn they they'll, they'll, they learned a little something right. that make make them want to go research something else. Where can they find you? I am feministajones.com. And on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter. To everything. Feminista Pe- Jones. Pe- there you go. It's pre- The branding is done. There you go. It's all purple and feminista. <laughs> I, like, I like you. Thank you. Continued success. I respect you. Thank you. Thank you. Continued success, Steve. Yes. I love to see brothers doing it. I love the white sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hey. You call me a cracker and then a white sidekick. No. I know. I, I, know I, felt, I just had to give my jokes. Like, have you seen Rihanna's video? I haven't oh, seen it yet. Oh man, beautiful, wasn't Breast, it? I, have, I, money. I gotta watch. I gotta watch she it. Was not playing. Have to see no. it. Bitch, better have my. I, money. I love that clip when she threw the uh, money yeah. in Stephen uh, yeah. Hill's face. Yeah, she had a white woman swinging like a pinata. Really, I gotta great. check that out. Yeah, like it's, I said, I, I definitely love. I, you know what I love most about this episode that when the listeners listening to it, that they'll hear uh, sexy talk, but they will also hear. Real talk. Yeah. You know, you really definitely, you know, are knowledgeable and smart and, and, and definitely. If you want to masturbate on the subway. Yeah, why not? In public. Just, yeah. just no, don't you, get arrested. You don't want to do that in public. Yeah. It's, okay. No, you will get arrested. Yeah. Okay. It's not good. And then some guys do it with women. And it's yeah, really yeah, that, that. yeah, yeah. But wait until you get home and mm-hmm. you can totally listen to this when you're at home and you're laying in bed and drifting off and you'll dream about me you do go. you have any uh perfume or that you use any perfume i love egyptian musk okay is my i need you to spray book. that on the book you give me you know <laughs> yeah. so I, oh i do have some oh, with me so i'll put it on the book for you no but and definitely continue success and thank and you. keep on you know leaving your footprints thank across you. this world internet miss feminista jones thank you thank you thank you hit me up whenever you know what it is 
Good. Dream those dreams and man up, woman up, and live those dreams. Because a life without dreams is black and white, and the universe flows in technicolor and surround sound. We out. Blow. Chit chit. Numenati! Yeah, yeah. This is your boy A King. Hashtag the weekly drop. Hashtag the Combat Jack Show. This weekly drop is featuring Bay Area's finest T Fly, featuring Casey Veggies and Nipsey Hustle. This joint is called Make Your Money, produced by Mike Keys. I mean, ladies, you know what I mean? Summertime, you know, the weekly drop, and we out here. Get your margaritas up, get the drink on, get that effing vodka, F your vodka. No puffy juice. Cheer. The whip, the whip, the whip, the whip, stupid. The shit wavy. My bitch bad. Her ass crazy. She like girls too hidden in my jacuzzi. She work at Jamba Juice, pay her to make a smoothie. I'm about to blend her up with T Fly. Pull off in a G5. Yeah, you know we be high. I cannot be D now. I gave her that D now. She trying to make a scene now. If she wanna fuck with me, treat me like a king you now. Face with your body right Everybody watching you right here. And your body doing the most. Uh, Damn right, let me see your ass. Make, make your money, make your money, make your money, make your money. It don't matter, it don't matter, it don't matter, it don't matter. Make your money, make your money, make your money, make your money. Leave that nine to five on the shelf, baby. Ain't no stopping, ain't no stopping till you get it. Make your money, make your money, make your money, make your money. Stunning up, any stunning up. You want me to refill your cup? Bottles in the air, we acting crazy. You whining it slow. Your body moving slow. You like your face down with your ass up, legs up to the ceiling. You like your face down with your ass up, legs up to the ceiling. You doing tricks with your body right here. Everybody watching you right here. Your body doing the most. Uh, Damn right, let me see your let ass. See. Make your money, make your money, make your motherfucking money. It don't matter, it don't matter. It's it don't matter, it don't matter. Now. Make your money, make your money, make your motherfucking money. Leave that nine to five on the shelf, baby. Ain't no stopping, ain't no stopping till you get it. Make your money, make your money, get your money. Ass stupid, face foolish. Go now Wu Tang Clan, cause cash rolling. In the valley, say the building. She pull up like she moving them fucking units. God damn it, she booming. Two fifteens banging on music. I can see it, I salute it. We both been boring like my jeweler. You doing tricks with your body right Everybody watching you right here. Your body doing the most. Damn right, let me see your ass. Make your money, make your money, make your motherfucking money. It don't matter, it don't matter, it don't matter, it don't matter now. Make your money, make your money, make your motherfucking money. Leave that nine to five on the shelf, baby. Cause ain't no stopping, ain't no stopping till you get it. Make your money, make your money, make your motherfucking money. This episode of the Combat Jack Show was produced by Jonathan Mena, executive produced by A. King and Chris Morrow, engineered by Samir Karan, and recorded in the Engine Room Audio Studio in downtown Manhattan. This is an official Loudspeakers Network's production.
All right, I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling myself. Pause. I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling myself. 